Wednesday, March 22nd, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. Have a focused show. I chose to make this specific about Ohio today. As always, there's just so much that I could get into, but I decided to make this a, a specific focus on a couple of things that I have been discussing and did a bunch of legwork today. Spoke to a bunch of different of these, a bunch, bunch of different facility, facilities, excuse me, that are discussed as one of the many they're supposedly sending the toxic waste to. And we've been showing you from the beginning of these shipments that they weren't testing for things that they're that they're they were already shipping these before they were testing for things that they could be potentially in them, which is ridiculous, seeing as how certain facilities aren't even set up to be able to process things like we've talked that we've talked about dioxins. We've talked about, P I guess, as somebody uh, said, as <laughs> I can't seem to speak today to, to start somebody I spoke with on the phone today at one of these facilities referred to them as PFAS. We've been, I've just been saying PFAS or forever chemicals. So this person is an expert or seemingly works at a facility. So I guess we'll go with PFAS as that's kind of the industry term, it would seem. Neither of these things were tested for before these shipments began. And most of these places aren't able to deal with them. So that's, that's a give. That's the reality before we ever got to where we're going to talk about today. But the reality is we're going to prove today that one of the primary discussion points of Oklahoma, one of the facilities they're talking about, it's on the record, even according to the person I spoke to, not even capable of dealing with either of those things. And yet they're now forcing Oklahoma to take these shipments. Now, the governor is standing his ground and saying, no, we're not going to take them. And I actually agree with that completely. We'll get into that discussion. But ask yourself why it makes sense for the EPA to be forcing shipments to locations that I can prove right now aren't set up to deal with dioxins or, PF or PFAS chemicals. Ask yourself how that even makes sense. Then ask yourself how could they could have even begun shipping these or allowed them to be shipped when they hadn't even tested for things that we all seem to be aware were possible. For actually a guarantee, the discussion as to how much, to what degree. Now, we're going to talk about a few of these things today. There's a lot of misinformation flying around today about dioxins specifically, people conflating them with other things that are very similar. There's different like dioxygen, there's, there's dioxide, there's all these different terms that people seem to be conflating. I did a bunch of due diligence today on the, the testing there, therein at the different labs. I'm going to possibly follow up on that, but it doesn't seem to be uh, right at the moment being covered correctly. People seem to be conflating certain things, at least as far as I can tell. But we're going to get into what I can prove today, which is what we'd love to do on this show, stick to the facts and what we can prove. And we're going to go over these shipments, a couple of different locations. We're going to go over the start, actually, the video of the... Uh, the hearing today of Norfolk Southern and some testimony and what it shows you just to, important to understand how, just how obvious this really is. If you just have the time to look at the people on the ground and what they're experiencing, the very least you can disagree all day long and rightly so you, you should, you have the right to come to your own conclusions. You can disagree all day long with what we're talking about, but you can't deny what people are living through right now. Now, that could be something else. Of course, they could be having rashes and literally one for one, every symptom these things are supposed to cause. And it could just be a coincidence. But you damn well better prove what else it is before you start denying people or telling them they're crazy or saying the water and the air are fine because we keep telling you they're fine. There's something wrong here. And I think we all really see that. And it's kind of an obvious overlap to the COVID-19 conversation. I was going to talk about a little bit of that today, but I put it off till tomorrow. The, the Fauci video that we've all seen. I wanted to actually play the whole thing and talk about the whole seven minute video and how what a fail it really was, despite how they, I guess, thought it looked like 
exposing hip, the anti-vaxxers for what they were. The truth is that people aren't buying them. And th- the point is he had to go to people's houses and still he got shut down. It just shows you that there is a clear mismatch between what they're telling you and what we can prove everywhere. We're also going to finish today with just, an, I just thought was an interesting overlap in regard to just other ways we're being poisoned or hurt, or just to show you what these people are, how little they truly care about human life when now we're finding out the UK is openly, proudly even, sending depleted uranium rounds to Ukraine. You know, because their honorable, mil- their honorable military really will, sh- <laughs> I shouldn't even say, there's pl- the point is that the people in, in that we've been discussing, the obvious militant extremist, you know, neo-Nazi fascist and Nazi elements that are running the Ukrainian military and government at this moment are they've proven what they're capable of long before the invasion. Well, going as far back as I mean, as far back as you can look really in regard to like from where this began, talking about the Donbass ethnic cleansing, it's obvious what they really want to accomplish. And now they're putting in the hands of these people some of the you know, under, under like the chemical weapon, bioweapon kind of, this is, these are getting, it's getting up to the level of the interesting thing about the plated uranium is there's, they, they play this game where they're, they don't really pass of everything else they pass laws for. It's one thing they seem to ignore. And I'm going to show you why I think that is. And I think we've talked about this many times because they're still using them. And the argument is, well, Russia does. <laughs> so I guess that's okay. So we're allowed to be as bad as they are. I thought we were striving for be better, you know, all the narratives they spin. But the point is that this is happening at a time when, they're acting like they're they're striving for something better, whether they're talking about the sustainable goals or the great reset. And really, they're just doing the same old thing, the same old way and saying it a different way. And that's the really disgusting part about all this is everything we're looking at is the same thing. It's always been the same corrupt, broken government that's trying to abuse you and take everything it can while telling you they're doing everything for you. It's 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 disheartening. But I think we should see the positive in all of this. That is people are seeing through it, guys everywhere it it is darker before the dawn it's a tired analogy but it's it it makes sense it's going to get worse as they get more and more desperate because people aren't buying it anymore like with fauci and everything else so let's go through this today and we'll end with the depleted uranium discussion but i want to make a couple of quick points as usual before we get into everything else which one was in case you missed it we really had just an outstanding fundraising event for tlav well, we went well over our goal, and it's all because of you guys. It was multiple, bunch of different platforms and different locations. We had a bunch of great prizes. It really was an amazing event with just all such an eclectic group of all sorts of different. We obviously had the team; the whole team was there. Uh, unfortunately, Robert actually wasn't able to make it for it was some. It was a long story construction at his location. You couldn't find another place, but he really tried to make it. Other than that, though, we had all sorts of amazing people coming and going throughout the day from Richard Gage to the, the Union of the Unwanted Crude. I mean, just it was all over the map and it was outstanding. So if you want to check it out, it's a five hour vi- video. Really great conversation, but just really just really proud about what we've built here and the audience that it, the, the, the community that we have here. Now, you may, maybe I'm just like everybody else saying that we're something different, but I truly believe that, guys. I really believe that we are setting a tone at a time when it's most necessary. Not, and I don't just mean we, T-Lab. I mean like the community that was there this, in, during this event. All of us are doing that. Trying to strive for integrity at a time when they're almost pushing you to be the opposite. Uh, rationalizing, in fact, praising the opposite. We need to be better. I've been saying that a long time, and I don't mean 
I just mean we as a, as a society need to be better than the kind of the example they set. A good analogy. Think about them going, well, Russia uses depleted uranium, so we should too. Well, should you? Or should you try to be better? You know, the idea of just rationalizing being as bad as they are, it's just, it's, it's the greater good analogy. It's kind of always a lie, right? Check this out. Enjoy it. And if you want to continue to donate, as always, guys, we will always need your support. This is a, a donation platform. We don't have... Do- uh, advertisers we don't have secret funders we operate because of things like this so if you want to support us you can continue to do so here and thank you so much for your guys support i'm just really blown away now i also want to point out two things one shocker trump wasn't arrested yesterday i can't believe it but there, there's all you know oh it's still going in the narrative and here's why it's not and here's what you thought was happening here's why it's going to be something different yeah there's everybody telling you they know everything right now as always but you know we'll wait for facts as usual but here is another interesting discussion on the banking discussion or the point on the banking discussion this is actually i'm kind of blown away about how this is i mean mean, this is as of today right this is march 2022 i don't even know recognize almost any of these companies and yet they're halting their trading now one of them that i was seeing discussed is this zero bio which is it's just a bio a biopharmaceutical rather focused on inflammatory drugs and and so on which shocking Everybody seems to be pointed at that. I wonder why. But what's interesting to me is that that, that that numerous examples, but a lot of them were paused today. Today. I just think it's really interesting that this is still happening. And what? how does this make sense? So there's all of a sudden, there's some kind of erratic action and then pause it. <laughs> it, it. It screams dishonesty. They get to individually choose things to pause and go. And this is this is a broken, this is a Ponzi scheme, guys. And I think we need to begin to see how the stock market and how this has been, ter- what it's been turned into. At the very least, the fact that people like this, like the GameStop example, how suddenly other people can play the same game. They're just not in the right circles and everything gets paused for a moment until we can correct that you're not allowed to play it that way. This is broken. And the fact that this is still happening and they're downplaying, I'm I'm not saying that I believe this is going to end up being some, the kind of, you know, economic collapse that we're concerned about or talked about in 2008 or you know all, all the, the the very valid discussions i don't really see that being the way this goes unless this is the rug pull to justify the CD, cbdc's which i am concerned about but until then we you know it's kind of hard to see where this goes but at the very least what we're seeing is the consolidation of more power under the central banks which is exactly the point and they may not need to pull the whole system out to make this transition Maybe they'll just force us. (laughs) It clearly seems to be where they're going. They're telling you that's the next step. How they do that is up to them. But look at how this continues to happen. There's so much happening right now, People, myself included. We seem to be missing some of the larger things as we get, or rather the maybe more important things as we focus on some of the larger stories. That's not to say like a, a negative. There's just so much going on. It becomes near impossible to do so. And I just want to point this out that I hope people there's somebody out there that's doing a really constant focus on what's going on with the banking industry and how that continues, because I am concerned there. But let's bring this to the focus of today. Now, I just did this show dioxins in East Palestine, quote, hundreds of times greater than safe level. Now, what's interesting, of course, is, as I said, I'm not going to get into the whole counter discussion. There's a lot of people out there that are acting like. And, you know, and you should consider their opinions that this is not really what's happening. This is a big fake story and it's all really about land grabs. Well, that's a valid point that I've also discussed. I don't see why it has to be one or the other. That's usually how these division tactics work. Almost half, half the time dividing things about on both sides are accurate. But at the end of the day, I don't think anybody out there can prove 
that this isn't what's happening verifiably and that it has to be about that one thing. Like how in the world we pretend we know for sure their only agenda is to land grab. Did they read their minds? Is there a science statement somewhere? Is there an affidavit that I missed? But still that narrative gets pushed as the absolute because everybody else is wrong. And you know what? Maybe they're right. But we really need to start recognizing this forceful, almost inherent, like meant to be divisive truth or activity <laughs> where it seems and, and sometimes using the truth doesn't mean to each their own. Right. But it individually need to understand how if they really are trying to achieve more awareness or in opening people's minds, that's the exact opposite way to go about it. You drive people away from understanding you when it's divisive and aggressive and attacking and derisive when it's like, you're stupid for not seeing this or you're attacking. You know, this is where this all seems to go. So right now we should be very willingly considering the land grab discussion about whether this was something bigger, the great reset, the, you know, the breadbasket of the United States, all these important discussions about what's happening there or the discussions of Vanguard and BlackRock, as you know, well, long before people picked up on it regard to Ohio, the last American vagabond has been incessantly talking about the connection there with the COVID-19 overlap and the, you know, bailout plan that was designed long before COVID and so on. That matters in all of this. But we also have to remember that Vanguard and BlackRock have investments in more than we could possibly understand. doesn't mean that every single thing they have their fingers on is part of everything that's happening, but it could. We shouldn't dismiss that, right? But the people that want it to be absolute because their narrative is this don't like when you leave that open. That's the problem right now. And we have to be open-minded and objective. Now, the point here in all of this is that this was reported by the corporate media. But let's remember, this wasn't because it was, it was written on The Guardian, but remember what they were talking about, weren't they? They were talking about the Indiana report of independent tests. But yet, because people are so resistant to anything that comes from sources they're told they shouldn't look at, which is, again, that's that's willful ignorance, because you should be able to look at everything and recognize that any of them could be lying to you and come to your own conclusions about the independent or not independent information. That's just called intelligence, right? So we have an independent report coming from Indiana. We have the Texas A&M reports, all of them finding higher levels of dioxins that are safe. Now, remember. That is based on the EPA numbers, which are ridiculous and arbitrary. The true understanding of this from any expert you really talk to is that there is no safe level of dioxin. Now, that doesn't mean that that's not everywhere you look right now, which is kind of crazy. That's also important to understand. The background level of this is seemingly outrageous and has been for decades. And I think that's kind of why they don't want to point at it, because largely most people will tell you they don't really know how to handle this. On top of that, it becomes easy to blend in with in regard to how Norfolk Southern could have chosen to take action that would create the thing that it's kind of everywhere and ubiquitous, which I already see happening. As the Dark Horse podcast discussed that corporations seemingly got the, they understand this now. They spread the problem out. So that way it's harder to detect. They get less lawsuits, hurt more people, but they don't care about that. So when this comes out and we find that their reports are showing you hundreds of times greater than the cancer causing risk, yet that in and of itself, despite being a true statement, still somehow manages to fall under the level the EPA says is okay. Both of those things are true. And yet that's the report. So it's dangerous. We know it is because this is where the cancer is. But the EPA says here's where it's supposed to be. And it's okay. That's what's happening to people in Ohio right now. Oh, you're you have rash all over your face. Oh, your son keeps passing out. He's bleeding profusely from his nose. Don't worry. We had testing and you're fine. Just stop, stop, stop talking about it. That's what's happening right now. So I want us to see from this point forward, we need to ask these questions. Now, I, I, I want to ask or rather have us consider the vinyl chloride discussion. 
Remember, I'm very skeptical about the in every single part of this from the very beginning of this, the 10 day period where it seemed like there was almost no coverage, where they then randomly decided to burn all five of these tankers, despite there being only a problem with one. And you could have made a very valid argument that there is 10 different ways this could have been handled with the very way it was going down. On top of that, that they then chose to burn all of them instead of just the one that was leaking under this argument that it would have exploded. But the experts seem to suggest that if it would exploded, it would have probably ended up better despite shrapnel being dangerous. So they chose to make this a problem that would exacerbate or rather exponentially increase the problem. Now, does that mean that it was because they wanted to blend it in with the background? Like I was saying, it could, or we should ask, maybe there was something else going on. Maybe there's a reason that the, the ask rail app that they were supposed to have that they claimed they did since 2019 and long before where all the first responders are supposed to be instantaneously up to date about everything on the trains, and yet somehow nobody knew what was going on in the beginning. National security? I don't know. Department of Defense? Who knows? These are valid questions, because there's something that went on right there. Now, I'm wondering whether they burned something else, and the argument was vinyl chloride to cover something up. I mean, these are questions. Not that I can prove, but there's unknowns in all of there. Now, all that being said, what, what we have in front of us is it appears to be that there are vinyl chloride was on these trains. Unless we can prove otherwise, this is what we're operating on. So now we have the argument that this burned and guaranteed if it was vinyl chloride or any chlorinated product they're in. And these will, for the most part, would create dioxins. So this is a fact. And we know that dioxins are very dangerous, despite what some people seem to be saying right now, which seem to be misunderstanding what these are and aren't seemingly fully educated on the reality of what this is and always has been. Now, that being said, what happened is the EPA has continued to tell people that this is not a problem. They have continued to tell people that there's nothing going on. They have failed to test for these things up until like a couple of weeks ago. Yet they have been shipping this stuff. They have been moving this stuff around. They have been telling people you're fine. How do you know that if you haven't tested for the, one of the biggest issues? So there's a huge cover-up that's been going on as a matter of fact. You just can't miss that. And you can call it incompetence or malfeasance. Still, it still seems to be a cover-up, maybe by accident. Either way, they're choosing this at this point. Now, the somebody mentions phosgene in general, and that, that, that's the interesting point. Now, as far as I can tell... There's a dispute about whether burning vinyl chloride would create phosgene. I've seen multiple arguments from people that seem to know what they're talking about. But I have seen people argue that that is what's created. Now, the argument would be that if it created phosgene, that might, it could have been vinyl dean chloride. That's one of the arguments, which is essentially a chemical weapon. But so, too, is, is uh, dioxin itself. That's, that is Agent Orange. I talked about that right in the beginning. Agent Orange used as a chemical weapon in Vietnam. That was TCDD. That's, the, that's what it was. So that's the interesting part about this. Now, it's even, I see people even arguing about the fact that dioxin is totally safe. That's not true. The argument that this is just two atoms of oxygen is a complete blatant and it's a misunderstanding of the reality of what we're talking about. That's a conflation of dioxin with something completely different. Now, I'm not going to get into all that. The point, though, is that this, because I'm trying to stay away from all of these division arguments between people. You guys can watch whatever you want, and I encourage you to. And come back and hopefully watch what I'm saying and just compare it. Compare what we're doing, compare the information, and compare the source material that we're looking at. And question all of it. That's all I ask. Now, to the point is we now have people in, the, in Ohio, in East Palestine, reporting, as they have been for a long time, that, these, that they're continually, continually suffering, that their animals are still sick, that their children are still sick. This is a hearing from today. 
Now, I'm going to go through a couple of points I think are interesting, and then we're going to go into the locations, which is the primary point today. I just wanted you to hear directly from some of these people to show you how crazy it is that the narrative on the, on the, the nightly news is still very different than what we are being told. The primary point being Oklahoma refusing to take this waste and being told that they have to by law. And we're going to go in to prove that the Ohio plant we're talking about, or rather the waste facility, it's called the Clear Harbor's Lone Mountain Hazardous Waste Facility, is not, not set up or able to process either dioxins or PFAS, according to who I spoke to and according to their own documentation. But we'll come back to that. First, now I really only have, I think, four or five points. Uh, Huxley shared this, Orwell shared this earlier, and she sent a couple of good clips, and I was going through a couple times, and I think I found a couple as well. There's probably a lot more in there, by the way. If you really want to take the time to sit through all of this, three hours of it, there's some that, you know, the, this kind of stuff is can be important, despite all the grandstanding you're going to see by people like uh, uh, Cruz and, you know, like, oh, they say, well, they really care. I should. Who knows? Maybe they care about certain people, and not others. But I hate to see people like this in political positions that seemingly could care less about like the Venezuelan people or or the Palestinian people or people anywhere where it matters for politics. But suddenly they just care so much about these people because they have a political motivation to do so. Maybe I'm, call me jaded. <laughs> you can decide for yourself. But let's watch this first. Now this is, oh, that's right. I had it live just in case, just in case I, it refresh. sometimes these go like, um, these things go uh, un, un, unlisted afterward for some strange reason, but I have it up here now. Let me close this one. Okay, so 3242, let's take a look. The first by today, Miss Allison. Thank you for inviting me to testify. Now, the volume is kind of low on this. I even tried to increase it before I put it up, but uh, just do your best to turn it up. I have it all the way up. I'm honored to be here, but I wish it was under better circumstances. As you can see, it's moms, or for the podcast as well, Moms Clean Air Force. This is a representative of the moms of the community in East Palestine and, and the surrounding areas, who is basically the, the, the representative for all of them. And I guess their, their group is Moms Clean Air Force. And I mean, I'm assuming that I just see the, the badge right there. And, and they, she's testifying about what they're dealing with and how they have been engaged with, with Norfolk. I mean, and it's, it's, it's even just this basic opening statement is kind of shocking. I mean, not, not to those of you that have been paying attention or watching the show, but for the average person that's just watching what the news is saying, it's, it's kind of alarming that this is, you know, it's March 22nd that this could have happened that February 3rd. And we're still hearing this. We're going to make it right. Says the company, right. When? 20 years from now, or when we all forget. I'm here to put a face on this disaster. This isn't just a political issue. It is a people issue. Everyone who lives in East Palestine is aware of the trains that pass by, but we've never really thought about them. Now we can't think about anything else. We will never forget the night the train derailed. I could see a huge fireball from my driveway. It didn't seem real. Little did we know, this was only the beginning. My family chose to evacuate, but many did not. None of us knew exactly what dangers were on that train. We now know that train carried multiple toxic petrochemicals. When authorities conduct... And let's not forget, uh, the, 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 the app aside, and how the first responders were supposed to know... That's an obvious right in the beginning, but then they go, oh, but here's what was on it. Remember? 
these four things or four or five, forget what the original. And then a week later it was, oh, and then here's four or five or six more. Okay. (laughs) And that's after we're told we're okay. But now we're being told there were other things that we didn't know about. The only way that even possibly makes sense to me is that there was some kind of national security overlap here or some kind of, you know, something that involved something higher power, right? Where they could step in and be like, you have to do this, you know, whatever, Smith-Munt Act, you can lie to him, we don't care, for national security. I'm not saying I can prove that, but there's so many hallmarks of this whole thing, a lot of the hallmarks of this kind of, of a kind of a... DOD or state kind of a, or, you know, maybe intelligence operation, like the discussion of whether this was potentially something being shipped overseas. Like we don't, let's not forget that Biden immediately went to Ukraine after this happened. And the argument from somebody making from people connecting the vinyl Dean chloride possibility is that that was the argument was that was what was being shipped for chemical weapons in Ukraine. And don't forget Russia in early February actually said, or rather, I think it was just before that, that that was what that was supposed to be happening, that they were caught and they were, they were about to be shipping something via train. And I mean, it's just connecting dots could be make, could be nothing overall. There's so many examples of this that suggest that there was a time where there was a cover up happening when all the other places should have all the other pieces should have been in place for people to be able to know what was happening, what was on it, how to deal with it. And yet. Not even Tucker talked, Fox News talked about it until, what, was it the 12th, 13th? I forget, whatever first day that we all talked about it. Did a controlled burn. It was like a bomb went off. Wasn't a controlled. containing vinyl chloride, which releases dangerous chemicals. When burned, these chemicals never go away. Chemicals such as dioxins, which are not safe at any level, and cause damage that may not show up for years. Two days later, our government told us it was safe to come home. But is it safe? People and animals in my community are sick. The EPA tells us the data is fine, while independent researchers say that there are high levels of carcinogens all around us. Who do we trust? And then there's our mental health. The anxiety is real. My seven-year-old has asked me if he is going to die from living in his own home. What do I tell him? This preventable accident has put a scarlet letter on our town. People don't want to come here. Businesses are struggling. Our home values are plummeting. Even if we wanted to leave, we couldn't. Who would buy our homes? There were over a thousand train derailments last year. And the expansion of the petrochemical industry means that more trains carrying toxic chemicals will put more families at risk. Alan Shaw has repeatedly said that Norfolk Southern will make it right. But who determines what is right here? East Palestine residents expect meaningful relief, including short and long-term health care monitoring, home value protection, and an actionable economic development plan, including the Norfolk Southern training facility placed in our town. As though the train derailment wasn't enough, Less than two weeks ago, my mother lost her three-year battle with cancer. My mother taught me to fight for what's right, and I will always fight to protect the health and safety of my children, of your children, and of every child in America. Remember, this is about people. This is about a community that no one had ever heard of before becoming ground zero in a small town being destroyed overnight. We must have strong businesses, but I urge all of you to support common sense safety regulations so this doesn't happen again. 
Together, we can make sure that East Palestine and the surrounding areas not only recover, but thrive, and that no other community experiences this tragedy. My mom always told me, either you find a way or you find an excuse. So it's time to learn from this and move forward together. Let's find a way, not another excuse. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Your notes have been taken from the chat. I will be quiet when I come back after a loud clip. <laughs> Good point, by the way, because these clips are low, so I'm sure your volume is very high. So I have lowered my voice and I will gradually bring it back up. But the point here is, is that this, you know, a lot of that's just her talking about, you know, the, what we need to do and so on. You can agree or disagree, but the point is just that people are still sick. Animals are still sick. This is still happening. I mean, really take a minute and think about what that means. That that's not, I mean, it very well could be lasting issues, especially if we're talking about dioxins and the bioaccumulation in the fat of your body, which is how that would work. But think about how if people are still outwardly showing these symptoms, it, it, we're talking about it from February 3rd, March 22nd, and they're still outwardly as of, as yet what today, yesterday, experiencing these symptoms. That means that there's a concentration high enough in the air or something that they're still dealing with that is continually keeping them at that level. That's, that's crazy. I mean, that is really an obvious example that something is wrong. It's like being told that you had a heart attack, but it wasn't the shot and you're crazy. Go back to bed. Or, I'm sorry you're having seizures and your feet don't work anymore, but it's not, it's not the shot. You're crazy. You know, it's like, well, okay, well then what else is, what's going on then? Well, you know, I'm not trying to, the same game here. If you think it's something else, then we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be just denying that anything is happening. We should be finding out what is happening. That's all we really care about. You know, but this becomes about politics and agenda as always. So on that note about politics and agenda, let's jump to some grandstanding before we get to her response. 4057. I mean, I, I mean, shouldn't, who knows? Maybe he's being genuine. The point is just that it's, you know, I don't think these people truly care about humans. And this is, you'll just see, this is how his, you know, his, his framing himself as the hero here. As you could actually get things done that way. So thank you. Senator Cruz. Thank you, Madam Chair. I want to thank each of the witnesses for your testimony. Uh, it's been powerful. Ms. Allison in particular, I want to thank you for your courage coming and, and speaking up. I'm sorry about the, the loss of your mom. That That's very difficult. And you're sharing the story of, of your young children and what they're going, the compensation you deserve for them as well. I, I wanted to ask you, we're still relatively early in the aftermath of the derailment, but at least to date, are you satisfied with the response you've seen, number one, from the federal government uh, and number two, from Norfolk Southern? Uh, do you feel that the families who've been impacted by this uh, have received what you need, have received the compensation you deserve. And if you're not satisfied, uh, what more do you think is needed? I would say there's always room for improvement. And this is something that, at least in our community, we never expected it to happen here. Uh, I would say that there has been some response, but specifically in regards to Norfolk Southern, I do think there are a lot of opportunities for improvements, at least from a lot of the community members. And very, very, very nice way to put that. I mean, you, you can you can listen to it's obvious that she doesn't think much of this company. It's a decorum. Good for her. As much, you know, you may disagree. I think there's there's a time and a place for for 
making, I mean, I, I would, if I were in that, I would have probably more severe than that, but you know, you, you got to at least have respect for someone who can show decorum in, a, in an emotional situation like that. And, you know, I just shared my experience, but I do have testimonies from about 50 other residents with me today that I can share with you. Um, I was reading those last night in my hotel room and just tears streaming down my face. It's absolutely heartbreaking. Um, I'm a market researcher by trade. And so and just so you realize that what she what she's talking about there are, are are signed statements of people that are having like horrific problems, like the kind of stuff that we're hearing about, you know, like like the the woman who said she had she keeps having to take her son to the hospital because his nose just won't stop bleeding or all the the rashes are everywhere. Like, go, it's like it's a COVID thing all of a sudden, like the overlap with the all of a sudden the collapsing people and all it's everywhere. Right. Go look on Twitter or Facebook right now all these these comparisons to people's faces to before it and now and they're all broken out with rashes and everything it's it's constant right now but on top of that you've got people with like weird neurological problems and all this stuff that they're just dismissing because well you can't prove it clearly they care about it looking at all of this data in the aggregate what i saw time and time again was people were saying essentially they feel like Norfolk Southern is just offering breadcrumbs throughout the community with mm -hmm. funding. Um, and then, so right now... And by the way, I have to insert really quickly that we, we can't, we just can't forget though, maybe it's not. I mean, what else are we, what else aren't we including, right? You mean the most aggressive and tyrannical and, and deadly medical intervention in history? You know, like this whole area to some degree also got injection. So, you know, there, who knows if there's a converging of problems, you know, that's something we have to consider, but same, I would argue it's, a, you know, the same problematic entities that are, you know, generally responsible for the malfeasance and lack of concern for your life. But either way, you know, the point is we don't know and they don't care to find out. For people that don't feel safe at home, we did receive a flyer that said that you could leave the community for the time being if you wanted to reevacuate. And some people have chosen to do that. However, um, there's not clear guidelines of what is going to be paid for and what's not. And so and I can promise you that that company will do just like insurance companies do that pretend to care about your health, will nitpick and nickel and dime every single thing they can about, you know, trying not to pay, like, as the longer this gets away, like, let's say these families are put up in hotels, which is what he's talking about. You'll hear in a second for a year, because they're telling us this is going to take a, a while, right? So what happens in a year from now when we've all gotten distracted by 47 other gigantic stories and we completely forgot, just like Flint, Michigan, what's actually happened to these people? What's going to stop Norfolk Southern from drifting into the background and just not caring what happens to them or leaving them stuck with a bill that they dispute when it's their fault anyway? You know that's how this stuff goes, and it's not always, but that's the kind of thing we see happen when the people, you know, the real issue falls to the background and just becomes Norfolk Southerners doing what it can. When people go to the assistance center, um, some people are having a good experience, and then some people are really being questioned about crazy. why do you feel like you should leave? Why do you feel like you need this money from us? And really feeling interrogated. And so... I mean, look, there's, there's a point to be discussed about, you know, a company... Who, you know, you can't just be, I mean, look, they're responsible, period. And they're on the hook for for taking care of people that suffer through this. But just trying to be fair with this is that ultimately the guarantee in that situation. What if somebody comes across and says, hey, well, I, I give me a million dollars. The point is that they're going to have to do some due diligence, right, to make sure that people get what they are, you know, owed or deserved. But on all, all that being said, that's that's like 1% as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> The fact that they're kind of these are these are local people from East Palestine that are going in and going, hey, you know, I, I, I want help and, and basically kind of being given the third degree.
you know, why do you think you need this? And it's just like, come on, that, that that's crossing the line. Right. I mean, the, I, my point when I said that is you could make an argument that there's some kind of a threshold, right, where maybe so many miles away that somebody might be trying to come in to say, I give me money for what happened. And you will. Well, are you you know, you have to as much as I don't want to say that, that you have to be fair about that. And that but the bottom line is they're doing this to people that are in the midst of this, people that are provably in an area that is still being tested for and they're, and they're pushing them back. Yeah, it's just it's at every step. You can see these people don't care about the average person. Now, I mean, you could even argue they don't have a need. They don't they're not obligated to. They're just a company. Right. But legally speaking, they're on the hook. And if you know you're a human being, you know, maybe you should care about human beings. Just my personal take. That's really concerning because I think a lot more data needs to come out. Um, this testing that the EPA finally said that they're, you know, testing for dioxins, et cetera. Um, yeah, now. That's now, like as of the last week. And still, I'm proving that they're not even really doing that. Like the, the only things we've seen of independence and EPA is not even doing it in every location with every shipment. I, I would argue they're not even doing any of them on the shipments, especially all of the ones we can prove have already gone and come back. They, if they've only just even brought up the testing, we know they haven't done it. I mean, I, that in and of itself is huge to me. I don't care whether we're disputing the, the what's in there, what's dangerous. The point is, if they didn't even test for stuff, they don't know either. That, I mean, that's that's mind blowing. That is not just incompetence. That is criminal. And I think that's obvious. And I, they, the fact that no one's bringing that up, no investigators talking about that at like the corporate level. And it shows you that there's more involvement than we realize. That's really good. But there's so much data that needs to come out there. And again, um, you can, a couple of things. One, you can make the data look however you want. Exactly. And also, two, you can... Which is um, why they shouldn't be in charge of giving us the information, which is also one of the things that we called out in the beginning. And EPA halfway through goes, we're stepping in. Oh, yeah? Well, you should have been in control from the beginning. Like the idea that you allowed the guilty party to cover up their own crimes, which, again, speaks to something else going on test or not test for whatever you want. So I think from a community perspective, we just want to make sure that everything is being tested that should be tested. And we're not really sure if that's being done. Or we know it's not being done. We can prove that. Or not. So I would say um, we're just really, everybody loves living in East Palestine and we would like to stay there, but only if it's safe. And so there's a lot of confusion in the community about whether long-term, if it's a good choice to stay or not. Well, I'm certain with the, you mentioned the 50 statements you had, I'm certain that the chair would love to have you submit those statements uh, for the record for the committee, and I'm sure members on both sides of the aisle would, would, would like to see those statements. Um, one of the things you testified about is the concerns about the drop in home values. Now, here, here's an interesting point. This is a, a good point to make this clear again, that it, it's we should ask the question about whether that's the entire point. It's a, it's a fair point to make, especially with all that's going on in the world. But we need to then ask if it, you know, why does it have to be one or the other? Like if we prove it, then yes, obviously the evidence is what matters. But until we can prove one or the other, it seems just as likely to me that both of these things could be happening and almost more likely. Cause you know, you could argue, okay, well, if they lying or faking the narrative that somehow dioxins are the problem. And then think about how elaborate this has all been, if that's the case. It doesn't make it not true. But the idea that, so we're going to hide this for 10 days, fake burn something we're lying about, and then argue that it's there, then have fake independent people from two different locations come out and find it in the background. I mean, okay, maybe. I mean, I'm not one to just just because just it's complicated. But the idea that, I mean, all they would have had to do was just actually burn it. <laughs> 
Like, are we, are we really going to dispute that they would care about burning something dangerous? I mean, why wouldn't they make that the case? So then they could actually be like, yep, dioxins. I guess you could then argue that that would actually ruin the land. But I guess the arc, so the argument then becomes that they want the land to grow on, to use. Isn't that the opposite we're talking about? I mean, it just doesn't, it, it's certainly possible, but it just seems like it's a kind of a, a reaching argument for what people want to make it. And they just lean into their own argument. It certainly could be. But ultimately, to me, it makes far more sense that this is actually what happened, whether by design or by, you know, corruption or just incompetence. And now, yes, then they're going perfect. We'll capitalize and take advantage. Never let a good crisis go to waste. Right. I mean, the fact it could be either one of those. So until we have something we can prove, we should consider all the options. That's just intelligent. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I can understand that being a very real concern. You you mentioned you've, you've done work as a market researcher are there any data that are actually quantifying what the loss in home values has been? And if so, at this point, are the residents being offered any compensation? Is Norfolk Southern offering to make residents whole for the loss in home values? If a resident, if a family decides that they want to move, are families able to sell their homes? Are there any buyers? Or, I mean, you, one of the things you said powerfully is even if we want to leave, we can't leave. That is there any relief being offered now to say if you make the decision to move your home and to move your family somewhere else, there is an avenue for you to sell your home and get a, a fair market price for it? The short answer is as of today, no. There is not clear-cut um, explanation or parameters of how you would do that. We've heard time and time again from Norfolk Southern that they're going to make it right and that they're looking into some long-term health care monitoring and assistance and home value protection, but details of that plan have not been disclosed to right. residents as of today. Right. So that's meaningless, right? If they haven't disclosed the plan, then that means there is no plan. I mean, I'm not saying I know that's the case from the average person's perspective, right? So we're just going to hope that this company... It's just going to do, you know, it's, it's, this is the, the fact that we're in a position where we're being told, you know, from, from some people, I mean, it seems that Cruz is pushing back, but some people arguing that, that they're going to take care of the EPA is allowing Norfolk to do this and do that, that we just trust this company is going to do what's right. Historically, that never happens. They will do everything in their power to minimize what they have to pay because they're a company. So this idea that unless we have it in writing or proven, even then it's not even guaranteed, they'll do the same thing with lawyers and courts, you know. That we're, we're acting like this is going to make sense, that there's somehow going to be comp, that there's going to be recompense. I just don't believe it unless it's forced. And then again, the same arguments made is that these people are then arguably being, you know, manipulated out of their homes, even if they're getting a valid price for it, because they probably don't want to leave. Like if I, if this were me and you're in this situation, unfortunately, I would be in the position I'd be saying, well, you, know, I'll, you pay for me to live somewhere else and you are going to make sure that my land, my house and everything else is perfectly fine. You know, pay for that, make it happen. But that still is up in the air, right? Again, I, I'm not even saying that's the best solution. That's just people are in a position where they're between a government that doesn't care about them and a company that's trying to rob them. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's pretty unbelievable. I don't think there is a good action or good choice here. But they, people should genuinely consider whether this is something, you know, at least that's one leg of this op, this this manipulation. I mean, we can't miss this whole overlap with the Great Reset and the food chain and all of this stuff. I mean, it's it's almost impossible not to see that there's at least taking advantage of that happening right now. I, I, I would encourage that for you to let this committee know as it goes forward, if there are residents who are looking to move and can't sell their homes, 
All right. There's a, there's a more, this is, I think he follows up right there. There's a part where he asked Norfolk Southern about this. Let's go to the next one. This is 4608. Very, very special. Yeah. It's trust. It's oh, that's, I forgot. We don't have, this one's not that important. This is just interesting. This guy speaks up and it's what he says here. Oh, there is a point in this that I find interesting. I'll let it play. There's something he says in here that I find really disconcerting and it seems to suggest, oh, that's right. I mean, so basically this guy is putting forward that the government has to do, take care of everything. I, I mean, I'm most blown away by that argument. So the idea is that the, that in anything like this happens, the government should be the first one stepping in and doing everything. How does that make sense? He, and he, I'm not talking about the government making sure Norfolk Southern, let's say, does what it's supposed to. He's arguing that the government should be the one on the hook here. I mean, isn't that that's the concerning direction all of this seems to be going in? Hold on, I'm get just before that. I guess that's where I have to go, right the there. Second panel, but Senator Welch, should you have a question? Just, yeah, just briefly, this is really very moving. You know, listening to Ms. Uh, Allison, small communities have something that's really very, very special. Yeah, it's trust. You trust one another. I mean, that's quite the assumption. I guess that's the case. I mean, probably more likely than bigger towns, but I highly doubt that's just every small town everywhere. Trust everybody. You know, these kind of trite, like these, you know, almost like condescending kind of like overviews, you know, maybe he comes from a small town. I don't know. It's just kind of, you know, this feels like, I don't know, you think for yourself. I'm going to get to the government part of this. And there's been a breach of trust here. One of the biggest beneficiaries of the trust in a community like yours, and we have many like yours in Vermont. One of the biggest beneficiaries is Norfolk Southern. They can roll their two to three mile trains through there without anybody asking a question because you trust them to do the right thing. Is that why? Like, what an ignorant framing. Like, no, that's not why. Are we, are we going to pretend like Norfolk Southern gives the okay? Or excuse me, that East Palestine is like, yeah, you're good. Go ahead and roll through our town. Like they have any say over that. Like maybe the local government does, which is not what we're talking about. Like, think about what an interesting thing he just said. The idea is that the government has allowed this situation and the government has allowed them to not be, I mean, from both Trump's administration and Biden's administration have allowed this to be what it is. Like the most current, which is the most valid point to make, is the recent uh, uh, strike. And the, the, the supposed working class government over here has just ignored what they asked for, shut it down. And one of the primary things they were asking was more safety, which is not what happened. And then here we go. But of course, you could point out Trump administration had things as well in regard to, uh, was it, I'm forgetting the, the specifics of it. But in any case, th th that's valid as well. But that was a while ago, right? This is specifically after they've had many, much years in this administration and then they have a strike about the main point and they shut it down. The bottom line is that is what's allowing this to happen. And we're going to pretend like I'm certain that the chair oh, would it. love to oh, have it. you Hold submit on. those statements. Went too bad. Son of a gun. I just lost my spot. Very, very special. Dang it. Yeah. It's trust. You trust one Hold another. On. Let me get it back there. And there's been a breach of trust here. One of the biggest beneficiaries of the trust in a community. Well, anyway, the point, the, I just, I'll let it go after this, but the point is simply that the idea that Norfolk Southern is benefiting because the people trust the company. It's just, it's, it, it's, it's intentionally manipulative in my opinion about the reality of what's actually going on. 
and then arguing that the government is the one responsible because of that. This is just a complete dishonest framing of the situation. Like yours, and we have many like yours in Vermont. One of the biggest beneficiaries is Norfolk Southern. They can roll their two to three mile trains through there without anybody asking a question because you trust them to do the right thing. And they didn't do the right thing. And they had the opportunity to do the right thing, uh, but they made other priorities, stock buybacks in the billions. Which is their fault, and they should be accountable 100%, but it's only like that and able to, they are only able to make that choice because the government allowed it, because the government doesn't care. And that's blatantly obvious based on their actions. So both of them are responsible, right? The government is responsible to make sure that these things don't happen, but the one responsible to make sure that everything is, you know, that you're compensated for what they allowed to happen is the company that made the mistakes. But the government should also be held criminally, legally accountable for what we're talking about here. The conflation of this is very concerning to me. I, I mean, I, I see it as the overlap of what we're doing right now, the public-private partnership, the kind of blending of all of this into one, where the companies are the government, the government is the company. Shortening crews, doing the things that a mom would never do to take a shortcut to provide that security, like to your seven-year-old. And the heart of the discussion here is whether, as a result of the breach of trust by a very large and very powerful, uh, very wealthy corporation, your government, it's your government, should step in to restore justice to you and your fellow citizens. And that's what this hearing is about. Will how, So how exactly is he imagining this? So the government steps in to restore justice. I mean, is that not already what they're supposed to be doing? Isn't the EPA in control, or at least we're being told? I mean, they only just recently decided to take control. I argue that's probably not even what's happening. I just don't understand where he thinks he's going with this. What What is the government now? And I look, I'm not saying the government shouldn't have to do something. That's not where I'm going with that. I don't understand where he thinks that what is the argument he's making. So the government steps in and what? Creates, establishes martial law? <laughs> Demand, like makes, I mean, they're already allegedly forcing Norfolk to take action. For up beyond that, I'm not even sure where he thinks he, this just seems like a meaningless statement. But really what he's doing is conflating that the government is the one in, that has to take action, that the company and the government seem to be in one situation here. I don't know. I just I, I find this to be a concerning point. Will government step up to provide physical, emotional uh, and health security See? as a result of this? Health security? Yeah, that's not a concerning overlap with exactly what they want to create, this biosecurity state. I mean, maybe I'm pulling this out of nowhere, but I, I can't see the I, I, these overlap. Well, I mean, maybe whether even he realizes it or not. This is the direction all this seems to be going, and it, he's just blatantly laying it out. Just like it would if there was a military threat to our country, where see? government has got to be on the side of folks like you and your neighbors. So I'm oh, very no. grateful to you. A military threat. Very feel very badly at that breach of trust because, you know, that trust gets you through hard times. You don't even complain because, what? you know, your neighbor's got your back. I mean, this, yeah, this just seems like he just wants, maybe he just wants to be on TV. <laughs> I've never even seen this guy before, so maybe that's why. I don't know. Seems meaningless. Well, you have to know the government's got your back. Uh, we admire you. This is going to go on for some time as government mindset. Uh, but I think all of us in this legislation are going to do our level best to respond to your very, you and your neighbors and what you're going through. Thank you.
Thank you, Senator Welch. Anyway, strange, strange way to put that. Now, this one, uh, 5709. The NFPA's needs assessment of the U.S. Fire Service showed that only 55% of firefighters are certified at a hazmat operational level of competence. For many firefighters, hazmat training is difficult to access, especially for volunteers who may need to take time off from their paying jobs. Progress has been made in making hazardous material training more available to firefighters through the Pipeline and Hazardous Material Safety Administration's hazardous material grants. Specifically, Firefighters are trained through hazardous materials emergency preparedness, assistance for local emergency response training, hazardous material instructor training, community safety, and supplemental public safety training grant programs. Through a SPST grant, the the, the bottom line here is I'm just going to go to the last part. Is th- this is the fire department representative essentially speak the the main point being made here is that the areas like this place, like East Palestine, are in a like little. everything kind of converges in an area where they get the least amount of support, where they've got these, you know, they get all these different volunteer fire groups to step in for problems like this, but they tend to be the least trained and the least aware of how to deal with these kind of problems. And so that's essentially one of the things he says here is that what was the predominant force, these volunteer groups that were called out because they don't have, you know, the, 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 the kind of presence you would see in a larger town, let's say. And so the point is just that that you know could have potentially led everywhere you look there just seems to be incompetence and a lack of concern you know everything was building toward these kind of problems and you know whether it's I mean you could get you could point out it's just it's malfeasance and incompetence and or or to the, to the next level a choice either way it's quite obvious that now it's we look back and see all the problems and that's always how this works now at the end of the day Norfolk Southern is you know just you can all let you listen to his response for yourself, and you guys can think about after everything we're talking about if this if this feels legitimate to you, or ju- like that this is enough, or he's honest in what he's saying. You have as to the condition of all five of those tank cars. Yes, we will be transparent with the committee about our understanding of the conditions on the ground. My my goal during the entire process was to provide unified command and the incident commander with the best information that we had and at that point there was concern that these four cars had been in a pool fire and that the pressure relief valve had failed and there was concern about the pressure in the car on one of them and we proved that with their own documentation so he, he as far as i can tell he's he's lying or at least conflating the truth with you know broad like, making it sound like it's something that wasn't but now re- hear what he just heard what he just said there like, how do we not miss what he is literally saying from the beginning of this until whatever moment the EPA stepped in? They were taking them at their word. They were relaying to the government what was going on on the ground. The people responsible who are legally accountable were the ones telling everybody what was a shocker. Now, we can obviously see that and how that worked because people are still being hurt. They lied about how safe it was. And they're still lying right now. But we can see that they allowed this to be the case. That's, that's literally what he just said. They, that we were the ones relaying that. I mean, I can't believe that. And remember, Biden, as well as the DeWine and, and the EPA, all of us, all of them made it clear that they were on the ground within hours. To pretend like they weren't involved with these choices is quite naive. 
in terms of the decision to vent and burn the vinyl chloride, which is what caused the massive plume of smoke and, and the rather extraordinary sight of an American city essentially on fire, um, among the decision makers that were engaged in that process, did anyone disagree with the recommendation to vent and burn the vinyl chloride from all five tank cars? Sir, my understanding is Unified Command was aligned around that decision, and that decision was based solely on the safety of that community. Okay. Uh, well, now that, that either means he's lying or the EPA's lying. Somebody's lying. Now, I mean, it's probably an easier guess to argue he would be lying, but I think they're both lying, ultimately. Really, there's probably something bigger going on here. But either way, he just made it very clear that there was a unanimous decision. The EPA is on the record more than once saying they had no point. They had no hand in this decision, which, by the way, is crazy to me because you're so now you're essentially admitting that you were there. You were on the ground as the federal EPA and you didn't have a hand in this choice in the middle of the disaster. I mean, that's just that's I, I don't even know what the right word for that would be. I mean, that's just disgusting. That, that's e just, that either means that Norfolk Southern was actually in control or the EPA is completely neutered in this situation or always, or they didn't care or they're lying about being involved and they made the choice. You know, I mean, either, however you spin this, everything about this is still, still being lied about. Ms. Homendy, what are the alternatives to venting and burning and, and what are the risks involved in the venting and burning procedure? Part of FRA guidance is to on venting and burning is to look at the alternatives. One is a controlled venting through the valves. In this case, they were melted, uh, so that was not an option. As far as their own documentation seems to show, one one that malfunctioned. The rest were they opened and let out. Now I've shown you that document. That's their documentation. So either they lied about that when they wrote it down, or she's or she doesn't she's misunderstanding what that says or she's lying that's the only thing three things i can see right there right and uh you could do hot tapping which is essentially cutting a hole in the tank car and draining the liquid essentially transloading it into a, a another rail car yes now see that's a big point to be made right there right remember that there there was time there was at least a two-day period where this was happening now, arguably, there's different disputes. Again, the fact that there's so much, you get one story from one group, one from another. But as I understand it, there was a, it, there was a time period where that was happening. But then right at the last day is when it got, you know, they realized, oh, my God, it's going to explode. And we have to make a choice. But there wasn't like an, a 30 second decision. There was time. And remember that, that the, the, yes, that there was that issue, but they could have brought up something from behind. It could have rolled up trains. There was plenty of time and then use that to transfer something. But no. The choice was made to dump it and burn it. Now, it just doesn't really make sense. One, from an environmental perspective. Two, from a health perspective. Or how about just profit? Aren't they concerned about losing all the money? Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, the argument that they would choose to burn this for our safety, it completely contradicts or rather just challenges every other thing they've done, which seems to be in their own benefit at the expense of your health. But I guess this one time they did it for you. Uh, there are risks to that. And then there's the vent and burn. Uh, Mr. Shaw, uh, Ms. Homendy testified uh, earlier today that the locomotive that was involved in this derailment was immediately or almost immediately put into service on another train. And so right. the video 
was not available for examination. Did that happen, and, and why? I have to admit, hearing that, both Senator Cantwell and I looked at each other and thought that was a really bizarre thing to hear. So, Nah, it's not bizarre. It's actually pretty common. It's just corruption, cover-up. Is that true, and if so, why? Senator, my understanding is that 15 minutes of video um, are available, um, time before, during, and immediately after the derailment. My understanding is we followed protocols. Mr. Shaw, I... You see, and this is the problem with the generally accepted as safe protocols, standards. These are set by the people that we're calling out. Now, that doesn't always mean that they're lying or corrupt, but we're talking about the very people that seem to be obviously caught. And or like the EPA, for example, who's been caught in the past, like with 9-11, blatantly. Yeah, I mean, you could argue it was a mistake covering up the reality. Right. But or even this whole process showing how they're either incompetent, you know, or just, I mean, incompetent or corrupt. I mean, really, it's very obvious at this point. And, and the point being that. And, and the rather extraordinary that the that the. The people setting the standard for the protocol, the term he uses about how it's supposed to go, are the very people that are obviously showing themselves to either be incompetent or corrupt. It just kind of seems ridiculous, doesn't it? But of course, the people that want to call you conspiracy theorists for ask for daring to question whether the people in positions of power could maybe do something corrupt. It, you know, it's 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 mind blowing that people could think that doesn't make sense. Site of an American city essentially on fire. Um, Oops. Among the decision makers that were engaged. Loading it into uh, uh, another. I'm too far back. Hold on. Thing to hear. So is that true? And if so, why? Before, during and immediately after the derailment, my understanding is we followed protocols. Right. Mr. Shaw. I... So so the Norfolk train did not kill itself. Right. The camera just happened to be gone. It's like the Epstein discussion. I asked you to answer the question I asked. Is it true the locomotive was very shortly thereafter put into service and the result was significant portions of the video were missing? Senator, at some point after, and it, it sounds like it was shortly after it was put in service. I don't have the details. I'm happy to follow up. All right, well, let, let me just say. Yeah, so the reality is, yes, they used the train. We know that here's the craziest part. The train was up and running with more, less than a day later. Right. I mean, think about everything that's happening right now and all the action that happened later. The very first thing they cared about was getting that train up and running. Right. And so what else was going on? Like, so they dump all this and burn it and then get the rest of it out of there. Something's going on around all of this. That's my opinion. But either way, it's obvious that that. Oh, and the main point was that they then buried dangerous things under the railroad tracks just to get it to be able to move again. Then they pulled it back up and took in because the EPA made them take care of it. So. Is that does that make sense to everybody or was this a an ex like an expedited effort to get that train or whatever else was on it the hell out of there and then deal with something else afterward? So what else was rushed away? What was covered up by burning this? I mean, these are valid questions. Either way, though, the standard protocol allowed this corruption. So is that correct or is this the protocol set by corrupt people to allow these things to be done this way? Ask these questions. Hey, anytime there is a locomotive involved in a serious derailment it is lunacy yes that that video is not preserved and that locomotive is put into alternative service so, right so, that... like, so what what if there was something wrong with that locomotive you know like we would pretend that they would do their due diligence but clearly they don't seem to care about that 
I feel confident we could get unanimity on this on this committee on that. Let, and that sounds like a cover up to also, me. There's a lot of discussion about Command Central having the wayside detectors and, and the conductor and the engineer not having information. Um, this particular tank car has Norfolk Southern examined whether it had triggered previous wayside detectors either on this train or in other circumstances? So I, I believe that's part of the NTSB investigation. It has Norfolk Southern examined that? It, do, you, do you know if, if it had triggered previous wayside detectors? I am not aware that it did. <laughs> Uh, Ms. Ms. Homendy, do you have any information on this, or do we have some confidence that we will be able to get the answer to that at some point? I'll provide you that answer. What we do have is that it had not reached the critical threshold uh, that is set by Norfolk Southern until that third one. And you, we, you know all this because you watched this show, right? It, it was above a temperature that was obviously problematic, but because of the, you guessed it, arbitrarily set threshold, it hadn't passed the number they set. So we were okay, but we weren't, obviously, because it crashed, because that's why. So the problem was they set the standard or the protocol or the average or whatever we're going to talk about at a level that allowed them to get just a little bit further, make a little bit more money, but, of course, at a point which was dangerous. That's how this works, guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly interested not just in the critical threshold, but the trending analysis and, and the shift that is less than the critical threshold, but could well indicate a problem before the derailment. We're also interested in that as well. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, okay, final question. Uh, Mr. Shaw, I'm sure you heard um, Ms. Allison's testimony, which was powerful. She raised a, a very simple question about moms that are concerned about their kids. She described her seven-year-old uh, who was afraid uh, for his own health and safety. What is your answer to her and to other moms who are afraid for their health and safety in this community? And who, as she described, may not be able to move, may not be able to sell their house because their home prices have dropped. What is your answer tonight? What should she tell her child, her seven-year-old child, tonight? And what should other moms in that circumstance tell their kids tonight? Senator, uh, I'm terribly sorry for the impact that this has had on the community. And I know that it's been traumatic. I was there during the vent and burn, and I saw this plume, and I know what it looked like. There's ongoing testing by the EPA, the Ohio EPA, and the Pennsylvania Department of Environmental Protection. They all show that the air is safe and the water is safe to breathe. And they, I mean, they literally keep doing that. So we just don't care about the other independent tests that completely contradict that. This is like Pfizer putting out their study and going 99% effective. And then somebody else looks at it and goes, whoa, actually, it shows you these things are deadly. Okay, we're just going to keep yelling that it's safe and effective because Pfizer said so. So Norfolk Southern, oh, we're good, we're good, we're good. But that's not the reality. I mean, it's, it's, it's just unbelievable. And it, well, the EPA doing it too. The average, the information shows you, well, at the very least, there's conflict, conflicting reports, conflicting reports. However, we also have entire community breaking out with rashes and having problems, but we're just going to pretend like that's not real because the EPA said so, because Norfolk Southern is happily trusting what this corrupt agency says. Why would they do that? Why would the EPA be covering for this if that's what's happening? Because I think something else is going on here. There's millions of data points. There are still enormous concern within the community 
about three long-term issues. One is long-term health care. One is about property valuations, as you noted, and one is ongoing water monitoring. Yeah, somebody, he did say he was there for the vent and burn, right? So again, that's all, all of the big players were there involved with this choice. All of them. You know, so from his perspective, he chose to burn a very valuable chemical, right? From the EPA's perspective, they chose to make the most dangerous thing possible, right? Every single aspect of this is contrary to what you would expect. And yet, and yet here we are. So Norfolk Southern is working with relevant stakeholders, which include state and local authorities, on setting up funds to cover all three of those. How many families were impacted? Senator, there's, um, there are 4,700 approximately folks in East Palestine, and then there's some who are impacted in Western Pennsylvania as well. So that's an interesting statement, right? I mean, we know that, right? But so people were impacted in Pennsylvania? Like, what happened to this one-mile radius and come right back, everything's fine, and now you've got people in Pennsylvania that are, that are affected that far away? <laughs> you, you, I mean, you get the point. I think this is just the most obvious thing ever. You, you had said earlier in your testimony that you've spent to date, if I got the number right, $24 million. You also noted 6,000 families altogether. I, doing quick math, that's about $4,000 per family. Do you agree with... with Ms. Allison's testimony that home prices have dropped significantly and that there's a mom scared for her kids that, that she right now doesn't have any great options? Yeah, I, Senator, I understand your, your point. Um, our contributions to date are just the start. And what we're offering through the Family Assistance Center is that folks want to relocate. We will pay for the relocation fees. The, our Family Assistance Center has been open since the day after the derailment. So, so I want to... So very clearly right there he just tried to lie or rather manipulate like you know state it so it sounded like other than what was happening i mean it's I mean, there's you tell me what you think there's no other way he he made it sound and we all you could you tell me what you think that he would pay for relocation now does that did i didn't hear the word temporary anywhere in there because that's what he's talking about but of course if you're listening and that's all he said you'd say hey he's gonna pay for me to move because this doesn't work that's not what he's talking about understand you correctly you're saying if a family in east palestine wants to move that norfolk southern will pay the cost of their moving and will you also make them whole if they try to sell their house and they can get substantially less for it than they could have before this derailment senator what i'm what i'm saying is that they want to leave their house for a while we will pay for those for a while. fees and we are establishing working with relevant stakeholders in a long-term fund for the property value assurance now, I know why am I arguing that should, that should be what people want. You, you People in this town should be deciding for themselves what they think is right. I, it would be a hard thing for me to, to give this up. And I feel like, especially with, you know, the way a lot of us are seeing this today, I would almost feeling like I would never want to sell just because that seems like that's possibly what they want. But at the end of the day, it, it, you, you're literally arguing you're, now, the point. Now, here's an interesting thing to add. If the argument is they're trying to buy this out from everybody, why is he not doing that? Right. It seems like he's reluctant, like ultimately going, no, 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 we're not doing that. We're only going to pay for temporary relocation. Now, I mean, all, all, a lot of these points just seem to point away from this narrative. And yet people seem to really want to force that in. It's certainly possible.
I just, it's interesting how people get so focused on what they, the one thing that's supposed to be the case. And, you know, like with QAnon kind of stuff, not that that's necessarily the same thing, but you get the situation where it becomes more about what you want and you make things fit to that narrative than actually being objective and continuing to take it as it comes and apply the facts and alter your understanding based on those facts. So you'll put them up in a motel or hotel temporarily, but, but you're not assisting with moving. I just want to understand what you're doing right now. Right now, we are putting them up in a hotel and paying for food and clothing if needed. And we're also working with relevant stakeholders on a long-term fund for property valuation. Well, let me say this, Mr. Shaw. You've said multiple times you want to make it right. Let me encourage you. Make it right is a real commitment. And this committee expects Nor Norfolk Southern to do exactly that. These people and these families matter. Well, overall, I think it's very clear that we've been lied to this entire time. I mean, there's just no way around that. You can't see this and what's happening today and what they're still struggling through and not realize that this is much larger than we were told the first two. Look at all the corporate media coverage, even ridiculous fact checks that were coming out right in the fake news and they're lying about this and, you know, right wingers hyping this. And it's just, it's so painfully obvious how these people in the corporate media will just say whatever they're told to say. And then the moment it changes, they just come out with a new thing and have no seemingly self-awareness or like no, no shame about saying the exact opposite or rationalizing a new narrative. Well, this is from March 21st. This is yesterday. EPA says Oklahoma cannot refuse to dispose of waste from Ohio, which is just crazy in and of itself because, these, you know, for, of course, we could have the conversation about states' rights, the, the unconstitutional nature of the federal government entirely, but the bottom line being that this is an Oklahoma governor who's going, you know what, there's, no, there's nothing you can say that's going to make me take this. Now, they, they're going to try to press this legally, and we'll read this in a second. The governor is basically saying that this is not safe for people of Oklahoma, which we all can agree with. But the EPA is going, but this is best for everybody, right? This is the, the safety of the country. Now, do you see the overlap as well, right? The collectivism, the idea that we only, well, you know, well, yes, we got, we may make your life a little more dangerous, but it's going to even that out and everyone's a little more safe. Is that even the reality? <laughs> and that's not how we should be thinking about things. Oh, Oklahoman, Oklahoma, Oklahomans, I think that's how it, what it is. They, they voted for this governor. And they rely, they arguably, if you, again, for my political or the rather the way I want the world to be, this is not how I want it to be or how it should be. It's the way it is. But these people would look to the governor to make this, to keep them safe, to stop these things from happening. Right. So the governor arguably has an obligation to make sure that no matter what they're trying to do, that that's, you know, I'm going to draw that line. And that that's, that's where that has to be. There's no logical reason for him to say, I'm going to make, I'm going to take all this danger. So people over there can maybe be safer. That just doesn't make any sense to me. Now, here's what it says. Governor Kevin Stitt blocked a shipment to Oklahoma, but the EPA said his refusal is not legally permissible. That's just crazy. Earlier this month, the EPA notified Stitt's office that it intended to send 3,640 tons of waste from the derailment site in Ohio to Clear Harbor's Lone Mountain Hazardous Waste Facility near Winoka. Stitt immediately announced that he was working with Oklahoma's federal uh, delegation to stop the shipment regulators in texas and michigan have also expressed concern about receiving waste from ohio now this this is written on the 21st <clears throat> as far as i understand it the places in michigan and and texas are no longer receiving these because 
and the, the whole point being, as we already talked about, this started where a lot was happening, right? And then all of a sudden, EPA goes, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Don't do that because that's not appropriate. That place doesn't have the right. That place is riddled with problems. There's 40 reports about how it's super, you know, basically the one in Michigan specifically was just one of the worst locations that has been accused and found guilty of all sorts of waste problems. And we're going to ship the most dangerous substance, the environmental disaster we've ever known to this location. Makes no sense, including the fact that the governor there also said no. But remember, they paused and went back into Ohio. Now, why did they pause? Because they weren't going to the proper locations. They hadn't even tested and they still haven't. But yet somehow they even then were were like, wait, wait, let's go to better facilities. Clearly, there's something else guiding these choices. It says late last week, the EPA sent a memo to states environmental agencies. It indicated that refusing the waste would not be legally permissible. Like, I would love to see that held up in a court of law. I don't even understand that makes sense. Citing federal laws and court cases. So precedent. Constitutionally. There's no way. If a judge actually understands his his or her only obligation, which is to the Constitution, then there's no way this can be sound, in my opinion. But it says Breen also assured state regulators that the waste from East Palestine receives more testing and analysis than the industrial waste these facilities typically accept. Okay, here becomes the first most obvious lie obfuscation. So they're telling them, no, no, don't worry. It receives more testing than what you normally get. Okay, that's a very easy way to hide the fact that you haven't tested for PFAS, for dioxins, for a lot of different things. Okay, so what 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 does it matter if it's gotten more numbers of tests for things that we don't care about? You have not and still have not tested these for dioxins or forever chemicals. We've proven that. So this is just a blatant way to already make it sound like, oh, we, you know, we got everything we're supposed to. They know that's not true. Governor Stitt's office said it would continue to stop to work to stop the shipment. Now, I don't know whether that's because he just doesn't want to take the risk or because he's also aware they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Quote, Governor Stitt stands firm in his decision to block the shipment and maintains that it is not in the best interest of Oklahomans for our state to take 2,600 cubic yards of solid toxic waste from the derailment side in Ohio. Reuters reported that tens of thousands of hazardous waste shipments cross state lines a typical month. Now, I, is that okay with everybody? I don't, I don't want that to be the case. Why we're producing so much hazardous, toxic waste and shipping it all around the country kind of seems like a problem. But the real point is not that, well, we ship hot waste all the time. The point is we're shipping waste now that we don't even know what's in it. The Lone Mountain facility, which we're going to go to next, has disposed of 1,733 tons on average every year since 2017. Well, yeah. Not dioxins, not FAP, not forever chem or FEPA or F. What was it? What did he say? That was FP, PFAS. So PFAS. That's what it was. PFAS. That's what the guy said, and you'll hear him say it. The, the proposed shipment to Oklahoma would contain more than twice that much contaminated material. Right. So the point is, they're shipping twice their average yearly. Proposed shipment to Oklahoma would contain more than twice. What they're telling you is their average every year since 2017. Now, how does that make sense? You're going to send more than they get in a year in, in, this, in this shipment. Okay, well, that, that ridiculous argument aside, let's go into whether this place is even able to deal with this stuff. We've already talked about dioxins and specifically forever chemicals and the reality that many experts argue that they're not even anywhere able to actually deal with this stuff. So I called clean harbors lone mountain facility 
which is the uh, the location we're talking about, as you can see right here. Or excuse me, clear. Clear. Uh, this is, where was it? Oh, that you know, it's, that, that's the, the point here. Let me do this real quickly. This is the location we're talking about. This is the exact location in Oklahoma. Clean Harbors, Lone Mountain Facility. That's the, the, the typo. The point is that this is the main location that 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 is being shipped to from, from Ohio. Now, the point is, as you can see right here on the actual document, I will have it right here. This is the video we're going to play. The Lone Mountain Facility disposal is limited to disposal of wastes meeting the land disposal restrictions in RCRA-permitted landfill cells. Now, this location, as you'll see, is a landfill. It's not an incinerator or water treatment. It is a landfill, right? Okay, so you'll hear him tell you right now why a landfill is not the location for any of these. Because what that means is they're just dumping it into the ground, essentially. So let's first listen to the conversation, and then we'll go into some of the other documentation and show you what these things are pointing out about what they're dealing with. Clean Harbors. This is Cami. How may I help you? Hi, my name is Ryan. I'm calling from T-Lab Media in Nashville, Tennessee. I just had a couple of quick questions for you regarding your facility and what you're able to process uh, in regard to the different levels of chemicals. For instance, PFAS or dioxins, are you guys in the position to be able to process waste that has potentially contaminated with those things? I don't have that information. I can give you our customer service number. Uh, that would be great, actually. And I can transfer you to that number. That would be great, actually. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you for calling the Clean Harbors Safety Clean Emergency Operations Center. Your call may be recorded. Clean Harbors Emergency Operations. This is Bill. Can I help you? Hi, Bill. My name is Ryan Christian. I'm calling with T-Lab Media from Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I had a couple quick questions for you in regard to the disposal treatment and storage in your facility. Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to ask quickly about the potential processing of contaminated soils that may con may contain dioxins, potentially forever chemicals, or whether your facility... I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm, go ahead. The uh, dispatcher. I'm just the dispatcher. I have no idea about that stuff um so interesting that she sends me to the dispatcher which is not what she said well i guess maybe arguably he was supposed to connect me but she didn't tell i mean interesting first of all but then he does get me to somebody who knows what he's talking about okay well i was transferred to you for the answering of those questions Do you know who i might speak to to answer just some basic questions about what your facility is able to process now this is the point i want to stress this is not some kind of secret thing this is very on the surface on websites, like, what are you able to process at this facility? You'd think that would be a no problem, no issue. It's, it's, it, I have more than one of these I spoke to today. It's kind of strange the way that they're dealing with this. Maybe it's because how politicized it is, but it's not a secret what they're able to deal with unless there's something bigger going on. It's, just, it's strange. Yeah, see, I... Uh, I, I I just send them to work. I don't know what they can do. I mean, really, it, I just need some really basic questions answered. So, I mean, it just I need just like an, the person who understands what you guys are able to process at the facility. 
Right. Okay, hold on just a minute, my friend. Okay, thank you. Hi, Ryan, are you there? I am, thank you. Yes, I have Jerry on the line. He can assist you a lot more than I can. Jerry, thank you very much. Go ahead, I appreciate that. Hi, thank Ryan. you. Hi. And these guys were very helpful and very kind. Jerry, how are you? I'm good. I just want to take some basic notes. Can you tell me the name of the outfit you're working for? Yeah, this T Lab Media from Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, my name's Ryan Christian. I'm just, I just want to call for some, some really basic questions in regard to the the what your facility is able to process. And the reason I'm calling is in regard to uh, I'm calling on behalf of people from Ohio and East Palestine, and in regard to Oklahoma refusing shipments recently. And I wanted to call in regard to, generally speaking, what your facility is able to process, and specifically speaking, dioxins and PFAS forever chemicals. I know a lot of facilities in your position are there's – there's a lot of complications around those processing, processing of those two specific things. So I wanted to know if your facility was in the position to be able to process specifically T, uh, TCDD dioxin or forever chemicals. And the other, the other one was like the PFOS. I heard you say TCDD dioxin, and the other one was PFOS. Say PFOS. I haven't heard that before. So I guess that's what they call it, PFOS. I will go with that. Yes, correct. Okay. So um, for PFOS. Good, and a good point in the chat, right? I thought the same thing. Why does it really matter who's asking? It seemed like a, right? This is not a secret facility. This is a public, dis- I, just, that's a, it's, I thought that was strange too. I can answer that we have facilities that will incinerate those. Sorry, let me go back um, real quick, just so you don't we miss have facilities. Yes, correct. Okay. So um, for PFAS, I can answer that we have facilities that will incinerate those. Um, we have incineration facilities in Deer Park, Texas. Uh, they have them. It's not this one, which he'll say, and I'll prove in a second. Lexington, I'm sorry, not Lexington. Uh, what's that town in Nebraska? might be Lincoln, Nebraska, um, and a couple other incineration facilities that we use. Uh, the dioxin, um, I would have to look at that. Um, now, we don't landfill PFOS as a company policy. Okay, right there. We do not landfill PFOS as a company policy. I, I that Remember that, because that's not apparently either they're choosing to break that policy or that's a lie. Mm-hmm. So we, we wouldn't be able to accept that at our Chattanooga um, um, disposal facility because everything there is either water-treated or landfilled. Um, and we don't water-treat for PFOS either we, um, at this time. We may we may get into that in the future, at least doing it in the field. Um, but at our facilities, we don't. Um, our only disposal for PFOS material is incineration, you know, customer, uh, company policy. If, um, if it helps in regard to the location, be... I'm specifically talking about the, the one closest to the Winoka area. Okay. Um, that's our Lone Mountain facility. Um, and, the, and, again, I do not believe they will landfill PFOS even there, but that is a hazardous waste landfill. Um, Regardless of whether they will, that's not what you're supposed to do. They do not, that means they're buried and they're in the ground. That, that's the last thing you should do with these kind of compounds. That's why their argument is an incinerator. And that's what he's saying. So I'm going to show you that this is the place we're talking about. And now not only is it going there, but the, the, the EPA is forcing them to take it. How does that possibly make sense? So and they, and that, that would mean that they're in the position to deal with the PFOS correctly. 
I asked that knowing that was incorrect because I wanted him to say this. Um, I would have to look into that. I don't believe that our Winoka facility would uh, would deal with PFOS at all because right. I believe it's landfill only, and I believe that it the is. exclusion on landfill even applies to our hazardous waste landfill. Um, okay. That's good to know. Uh, my my, my follow-up then w- would be to reiterate the specifically TCDD dioxin and whether or not that is something that the, the, the that this specific facility, um, again, it was the one, the uh, Lone Mountain Hazardous Waste Facility, if that one is able to correctly facilitate and process dioxin TCDD. I know that's not the case, right? Because we've already established the landfill. And so I just wanted to hear him say it. But even then, even though he knows, even though he knows that's not the case, I get this answer, which is, you know, I do think there's something being some politics here. Just my opinion. Okay. Um, And that question, I think I would have to, Mm. I would have to probably go to that facility with. Um, Okay. So I'll tell you what, tell me, you said your last name was Christensen? And by the way, I did call this facility directly, and that's the number I called. I, this, by the way, I should have been clear. This is edited, obviously, because it's, you know, otherwise there's like a 30. I waited on hold for like 30 minutes. The point is that I did call this person, Jay Adair, first. And that was and this. And I got pushed down the line because they don't have the answers, which is kind of interesting. Right. Because I don't know why you wouldn't have the answers to your own facility. But I ended up going to the, the top. Right. So the people that had, that's why he's no He knows all the information. Correct. Just Christian. Correct. Okay, uh, I'll reach out to them about the uh, about both of those waste streams. They're going to have a lot of uh, uh, questions about the specifics. Uh, hopefully, why you know, right? I'm not asking about anything other than your facility and what that facility can do. I mean, am I wrong in thinking that's a strange response? who I am, where I'm coming from, where, what are you shipping to the location? Like, what are we talking about here? It's basic. What can you process at this facility? And are these two of them? Right now, we're not, we're not, uh, I don't have a lot of specifics. If the location is able to facilitate the processing of TCDD, I, I would think that would be something that would be easily accessible, no? Um, I, I can call, I can call our, my contact there at that facility. And so okay. really what I'm investigating is whether or not that shipment was even the appropriate place for it to go to in the first place. Okay. Do you have a manifest number? I, no, I don't. This, this is more, this is more overview of, of the different locations. I could, I could get back to you with more specifics, but it's really, again, it's really not in regard to what is, it's about what you guys are able to process in a general sense, removing East Palestine from the conversation, like whether this location is even set up to process those things. I will see what I can find out for you. Um... He must know this stuff. I'm not going to say he, they were very kind and very helpful. In fact, he even called me back and give you a call back. If, if I can't personally give you a call back, I'll make sure I get to the right the phone number to the right person who can. Outstanding. Well, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you. And he was, he's very kind. He called me right, he called me back after maybe 30, 40 minutes. And he basically gave me a number and was very, very different. Now I wasn't able to get that recorded because he called me back, but I just, what happened was he called me back very different tone and was like, I'm not allowed to speak with the media. And here's a number. I, that's what, that's very interesting. I called the number and 
it went it, it rang and then went right to it was supposed to be the 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 media the person who's supposed to be dealing with the media i called all the way up until the show started never got it it was, it was who knows maybe it's not a real number <laughs> it just went to a voicemail with nothing there and it just never got all day so who knows or maybe they just took the day off who knows uh, nonetheless very strange now i wanted to show this really quickly just for just so that it wasn't confusing I didn't even catch this before as a typo, but this is a, this is, it's as clear, whereas the actual facility is clean. And, but the point is, it's, this is the same one we're talking about. This is the same location that is close to Winoka, which is exactly what it says right here under the clean harbors south of Winoka. It's the same location, same number, same everything. Confirm it for yourself just in case. But it's just that the article just made a typo in the way that they covered it. And that's why I searched for clear. And the only thing that comes up is clean harbors, clean harbors, clean harbors. Okay. Just so that's clear, just in case somebody wanted to find a reason to not do their due diligence and look further. Now, the point about this, not that we even, by the way, need to go any further, but we should. I, this is a document from 2012, and it's their annual report for specifically clean harbors. The, the, over, the, the company, not just that one location. Now, you're going to find here that it says exactly what you heard on the phone. It says... Hey, and this is back in 2012. I'm going to go to the one in 2016, which is the latest one I could find. Included in our 51 hazardous waste management properties are five incinerator locations. Now, everywhere you look, and you know this because you already watched the show, incineration is the only, only argument being made by people that know what they're talking about in, pro in the ways to deal with dioxins, specifically PCDD or forever chemicals. But they also argue specifically with PFAS that that's not even possible. That's disputed. But incinerators what we're talking about and either, regardless of any of that you heard him say that it's their company policy that they only do incinerators with these chemicals they do not put them in landfills right so here are the number of incinerators you'll note there is no oklahoma now down on landfills you'll find oklahoma we operate nine commercial landfills as described in the following table so this is the case this is what we're talking about the oklahoma location is clean harbors lone mountain facility that's what it is I'll make that even more clear as we go forward, but just so we can see it here. That's very obvious, right? Here is a Securities and Exchange Commission uh, document from Clean Harbors, posted December 31st, 2016. Here's what it says. First of all, incineration. Incineration is the preferred method for the treatment and organic of organic hazardous waste because, and to just make that clear, so we know that's how they that's how people are supposed to deal with this because it effectively destroys the contaminants at high temperatures. That's just with certain they, 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 dioxins and PFAS. Arguably, some people argue that's not how that would work. That they only burn some of it and it still dissipates to a degree and floats in the air and falls back down, which is what people are worried about. High temperature incineration effectively elim eliminates organic waste such as herbicides. Halogenated uh, halo uh, solvents, pesticides, pharmaceutical and refinery waste, regardless of whether gases, liquids, sludge, or solids. Federal and state incineration regulations require a destruction and removal efficiency of 99.99% for most, most organic waste and 99.9999% for specifically PCBs and dioxins. Okay, so incinerated not just incinerated but to the point of 99.999% removed again arguably not even possible but the point is that that's only incinerators now this is the company policy and what they have listed as of december 31st 2016 we had eight active incinerators operating in five locations so same as 2012 landfills are primarily used for the disposal of inorganic waste there's another example 
So we know that this is organic waste. We're talking about the vinyl chloride burn byproducts and so on. Yet that's still going to a landfill. So that doesn't make sense. But let's go to the crux of the point here. See if I can grab it without missing it. Okay, here we go. First one, active hazardous waste management properties for clear harbors. We own five operating incinerating facilities. And and again, notice that there's no Oklahoma. I'll show you where it's listed down below where it even has the full name. And and this this I'm not sure if I'm misunderstanding this, but it says eight incinerators with 491,721 tons of total practical capacity, and it says an average utilization rate of 88.8 percent. Now you tell me what you think that means. What's the utilization? I, I take that to mean the removal, right? Look at what we're talking about down here: practical capacity and the utilization rate. So if we're if average of 88.8% even from the incinerators and it's required that dioxins are 99.9999% they're not even capable of that even if they were using incinerators if I'm understanding that correctly but it seems irrelevant seeing as how they're not using the incinerators but they're using the landfill and here's the most important point in this to make this undeniably clear from their own documentation as of December 31st the company had 11 active landfill sites one of them the Lone Mountain Oklahoma site. Okay, so there's no dispute here. They are shipping this. In fact, not just shipping this, they are forcing, forcing Oklahoma to take this. Specifically in Oklahoma, as we saw, the harbor, the, the Clean Harbors Lone Mountain Hazardous Waste Facility near Winoka. So it why would the EPA be forcing a ship an area a location that verifiably only has a landfill? to take something that they know now ha- does have these things and largely, which by the again, they haven't even tested for. Either something else is happening here or they're trying to spread this problem. Or you can think for yourself and come up with another possibility. Either way, we're being lied to. I think that's abundantly clear. Here is the, um, oh wait, I, for, I think I had this up for something else and I didn't follow up on it. Clean Harbors announces result of third-party study demonstrating successful destruction of PFAS chemicals in its commercial facilities. Oh, and the point here was that this is not... So they're arguing that they have a study proving they could get rid of PFAS chemicals. However, what they're talking about is not the lone... is not this location, because they're talking about the incinerators. Right? That's what that's what they're discussing, and that's what they're doing, the 99.9%, right? So it doesn't matter whether this company is able to, if they're taking it to a location, as we heard on the phone, is not company policy and landfill, and we proved by their own documentation it's not even able, capable of doing that, let alone if they did the incinerator and still didn't get 99.999%, right? Okay, so there's something off here. Hopefully people can, can keep pushing on this and make this clear, but the bottom line is there's enough right now. How do we explain this? From the beginning to now, this has been one massive cover-up with crimes left and right. Here's another location. Grafton Business to help with waste management. Now, this is from this is this is from February 27th. All right, so the, the reason I included the Zero Hedge article again was to show the timeline here. Here's just a couple of posts, same thing. East Palestine toxic waste heading to Grafton Incinerator. Now, all of these, by the way, are in Ohio. Other than the one in Oklahoma we just pointed at, the point is that we're talking about most of these, but I meant going forward from this and the next one we're going to talk about, are in Ohio. As well as the one we already told you was redirected from places like Texas and Michigan. These are miles away from the very location they came from. Now, if they're taking the locations that can't take deal with this, all they're going to do is spread it back around. And on top of that, 
these incinerators, if they're not done properly, will simply burn it and spread it around again. So here, again, don't the timeline. On February 27th, they reported, I think it was the day before, EPA says, stop. So ask yourself why it took them 24 days, 25 days to step in and go, whoa, maybe I should be telling you what to do. Maybe I should make sure those locations are safe. Maybe we should test for things that are dangerous. Maybe we should just not be incompetent or criminal. Bottom line is they step in and go, okay, now we're going to take control and we demand you to pay for what you already should have been paying for. Okay, so right there, you know something's amiss, right? Because if they just paused this, what was wrong? Something was wrong. And we know this because people like Gritch, uh, Gretchen Whitmer in, in Michigan and different people were like, that's not even the appropriate facility. A Democrat, mind you. This, this, is, not a, this is not a bipartisan or not a partisan issue. As well as the people on the ground were saying this location is one of the worst locations. Don't forget, we have the individual who sent us the video of the dead fish around the area in Michigan where that locate where that shipment showed up. Now, I've, I, we weren't able, able to confirm that was what caused it, but that that was an individual who was a who's a follower of T-Lab who was there and showed the shipment in the area, in the location it went to, and the area was full of dead fish. I just, I, that's something we can't dismiss. So anyway, the point is they paused it and then they shipped it to places like Grafton instead. So they shipped it to Texas, to Michigan, and then it went, whoa, bring it back, and then shipped it all the way back in to Ohio. And all of that time moving a bunch of toxic waste they didn't test properly and possibly spreading it, likely doing so, now, here's the Chronicle from March 1st, documenting where how this is working. Now, Grafton is one of these locations or the areas we're talking about. There's all, the Ross Environmental Services is one of the locations they're shipping this to to be allegedly be dealt with inside of Ohio. Right, very close, by the way, to where this is in East Palestine. Now, the interesting part, first of all, it's Ross Incinerator Services, I understand it, but they call themselves Ross Environmental Services, like the literal opposite I think the actual acronym is R-I-S, but they, anyway. So this is a group that they're shipping it to. Now let's get into what this one does. Ross Environmental Services Incinerator on Giles Road will be burning debris and waste materials from Norfolk Southern's train derailment in East Palestine on February 3rd. So they're, they're already burning this since February 3rd, since shipping it elsewhere and they bring it all the way back. They've been burning this since the beginning of March without testing it inside of Ohio. So if there is dioxins, which we know that there are, they're burning this potentially in locations that they don't know can deal with it because they haven't even tested to see if it's there. Right? Either they're lying to people at these places and going, we know it has dioxins and they deal with it properly, hopefully, if they're even able to, like we just saw the percentages might not be right, or they're bringing it without any knowledge of what's in it. And why then would the company know to deal with it properly? I mean, there's just this, everything about this is either the most incompetent thing in history or criminal. And either way, these people should be held very accountable for this. But so they're shipping it there and burning it inside of Ohio. And if it's not the right temperature or they're not the right process, it is spreading dioxins and forever chemicals right back over the people that are already suffering. Despite government officials' assurances of safety, the decision has some area residents worried, upset, and scared. Well, they have a right to be. They've been lied to this whole time. One such resident, and then, and by the way, they're sick. So they don't care what you're saying. They're struggling. So you can lie all you want when they're actually having rashes on their face and actually having problems, then they know something's wrong. One such resident, Nick Masters of Grafton, this uh, this guy. Oh, I think this. Oh, I forgot these things can move. This guy right here. He's out there on the street. Stop East Palestine. Toxic waste is being shipped to Grafton today. 
course, they call him a maniac because he dares to point it out. Not this article, but people in the media. He stood on the corner of the state routes 82 and 83 in the Easton Township on Tuesday, holding a sign that read, stop what I just read. And, you know, it's being shipped today. He said most everyone in the community had heard of the East Palestine derailment and that other states had turned away shipments of potentially toxic debris, soil and water that could contain vinyl chloride. But see, that's, you know, it's obviously much deeper than just vinyl chloride. If that's even still a problem, depending on how, you know, if it was burned and it dissipated, that's gone away. But the, whether it's in the ground and the water and the soil, which I think it is, you know, there, there's so many aspects to this. But on Monday, as part of a public statements about February 3rd's derailment, Governor Mike DeWine announced that Norfolk Southern was removing contaminated soil and liquid from the derailment site and shipping portions to Ross Incineration in Ohio on Giles Road in Easton Township. The incinerator is a licensed hazardous waste facility that can handle contaminated waste from the derailment site, according to DeWine's office. But oddly, don't say, yes, it can handle dioxins. Yes, it can handle PFAS. Maybe it can. If they haven't tested for it, then why would they even be asking those questions, right? It says Ross's incinerator has a state-of-the-art air pollution control system that captures any remaining contaminants from the incineration process to assure they are not released to the environment. Now, that's one good thing. Not every location they're doing is doing that or has that ability. But if they're not actually taking care of the problem, if that's the case, then yes, they can still capture it, but all they're doing is burning and catching it again. And they still have the problem in their hands. We still have these problems that we can't take care of if that's what's happening. According to the U.S. EPA fact sheet titled A Citizen's Guide to Incineration, properly designed and operated incinerators can safely destroy chemicals as long as proper temperatures are maintained and air pollution control equipment is monitored and working. Yeah, they're just broadly talking about dangerous things, but that's not dioxins and specifically PFAS are in a different category of things that are. That's why you need. There's only a few places specifically that can truly deal with these things. Such arguments don't convince residents like Daisy Reich who lives on Giles Road west of the incinerator, is a longtime critic of Ross. So this is a person who's lived here long before this has happened and is telling us that this is a place that's rife with problems. Who said Tuesday that just because the EPA says it doesn't make it right, which is literally the reality right now. Just because they said it doesn't mean it's even what's happening. Quote, they don't think about the people here, she said. They say they're doing the right thing. How do I know that? How do I know that these chemicals aren't getting in the air? How do I know this isn't causing people to get sick? In fact, they do know that it is because they're dealing with it because other people have tested for it and found that it's higher than what they told them. But yeah, we're going to pretend like it's not something amiss. Here is another follow-up for the next day. Ross Environmental seeking to build a monofill. This is where it gets really concerning to me. A monofill. You should wonder what that is because it's not only are they burning this in the area, but they're going to bury it right back down in Ohio. <clears throat> Ross Environmental Services, Inc. is going through the, the permitting, zoning, and planning process to expand the footprint of its incineration services in the township, where it wants to bury waste ash from its existing incinerator. Not just that, but the, at the, what they're burning right now from Ohio. So they're in the process of doing this, and they're right now trying to get the permits and the zoning to push an area they have that's not zoned for this to be zoned for that. And that just sounds strange, right? Wait till we get to some more parts of this. Ross is asking to have approximately 218 acres of property that it owns right now behind its incinerator facility on Giles Road in Ohio, right not far from East Palestine, rezoned from what's right now called light industrial to heavy industrial. 
So just arbitrarily going to move the move the goalpost, right? It was zoned this way for a reason. It wants to build a monofill where it will bury treated waste ash from the neighboring incinerator between plastic sheeting and cover and cover it on the 20 on 23 of those acres. I mean, so apparently aren't we being told they have all the right pro- equipment and process to deal with this stuff? So why would that be dangerous then? Ash is supposed to be the cleanest substance on earth. If you just burned all of this and you burned it properly, are you going to tell us that that's just in case that you're going to literally rezone an entire 218 acre area, make an entire monofill, bury it, plastic sheet, it, then cover it another time with, with just wait till we get to the next part. And that's because just in case, or because this ash is dangerous. I mean, I'll let you think for yourself and how that feels. Either way, I think we know the answer. It says intent is only to bury treated residual ash from the incinerator. Not any hazardous material. Okay. Well, then why are you taking so much precaution on your expense? As it says, the ash is treated after it's burned and then mixed with a mixture of cement or limestone before it's even buried. It says it won't just be an old pile of ash. First, a three-foot layer of non-porous clay will be put down followed by a plastic sheeting to stop water from leaching in and out of this completely benign, not dangerous substance. The treated ash mixture is then buried and covered at the end of each day to prevent wind or water erosion. Right, because it's totally not dangerous, and we're so concerned about this not dangerous thing leaking back out, right? (laughs) Now it says here, groundwater will be continuously monitored, and the site is expected to have a 48-year lifespan because you buried something totally benign that's not dangerous? Now, you could argue this is just to be extra safe, but where else do we see them taking this much precaution for things that they don't need to do? We're watching the whole, these trains fall off the tracks every 10 seconds because they're actively going the other direction. But in this case, we're going to spend all of our money to make sure this not dangerous thing is completely kept safe. Really, guys? It says Ross currently ships the treated waste ash from its incinerator to landfills or storage facilities outside of Ohio. Again, if you are burning this to the point where it's ash and it's not dangerous, why does it then need to be shipped to a landfill? I mean, I think it's inherent in their points that that's not the truth. That's not the reality. Building a monofill on its own property where they will be burying this in its own backyard right down the street from East Palestine will make Ross competitive with other similar incinerator operators. And now the point comes out. Well, of course, it will make them more competitive. It will cut their own transportation costs. It will prevent accidents and spills during transport and ensure that if an outside landfill increases its prices or shuts down, that Ross has the place to put the waste. Well, if you did, well, okay, profit, money, and control. Got it. Is that really what this is about? You're going to bury dangerous things just so you can be like, good, now use this again next time. Profit, money. Well, here is the March 4th, 50 more tons. On top of what you just read, are going to the same location. Additional 50 tons of solid waste from Norfolk Southern train derailment is now going to Ross Incineration Incineration Services in Eaton Township. About 1,700 tons of solid waste had left the derailment site. Of that, 190 tons of waste, including soil, gravel, wood, and pieces of plastic from the site that show trace amounts of chemical contamination have now been hauled to the Ross Incinerator on Giles Road this week. Trace amounts of contamination. Yet they still understand this is March 4th. They haven't even announced they were going to be testing for dioxins yet. But we're going to pretend that they were doing all they needed to to deal with the things they haven't tested for, right? Another 660 tons went to Heritage Thermal Services in East Liverpool 
for incineration. Well, 880 tons of solid waste went to landfills in Michigan and Indiana, according to the Ohio EPA, except those locations were not properly set up to deal with this stuff, but it's too late. But we brought back what we could. Great. Also, 3.2 million gallons of liquid wastewater left East Palestine. About 210,000 gallons was shipped to Vickery Environmental in Vickery in Sandusky County to be disposed of by deep well injection, which, by the way, is just mind-blowing to me. This is something we think makes sense. The process literally involves injecting the dangerous liquid that's contaminated at least 2,900 feet below ground level into a layer called the Mount Simon Sandstone, according to Ohio EPA documents. So you're going to put it in the ground in a deep well injection process. The dangerous stuff. Great. I just don't even know how that possibly makes sense. If you can take care of it otherwise, why don't you do that? The majority, or 1.9 million gallons of liquid wastewater, went to a disposal site in Texas. So there's the place we're talking about. Remember, Texas is one of the locations they already stopped. And 320,000 gallons went to Michigan. Again, same point. Health and agriculture officials have also been monitoring whether animals are affected. Oh, have you been? Get this report, guys. Preliminary reports on six dead animals submitted by the Ohio Department of Natural Resources to the Ohio Department of Agriculture's Animal Disease Diagnostic Laboratory, quote, show no evidence to support chemical toxicity as a cause of death. You mean despite the veterinarians literally proving poison toxicity in the animals they're testing? I guess that doesn't count as evidence or rather proof. My God, like they're actually still making this argument. To get this, the four raccoons and one muskrat, as if that's all we can, I mean, we can prove an endless amount. I'm not, I'm talking about proving this. People's animals that died in their hands, animals that they got tested at the veterinarian that said poisoning. But all they say is four raccoons and one muskrat and a turtle were found. But they guess what they said. Oh, I said a a beef calf that died also was tested and toxins were ruled out as its cause of death. Oh, yeah. Ruled out by who? Oh, the same company. Got it. I mean, this is just painfully. This is insulting. You've heard this before. I might as well play it again. This is the proof. Again, something I did before this, the due diligence of speaking to the Columbiana Humane Society and what she told us is happening on the ground. And this was this was weeks ago. Oh, here, let me do this, actually. Hi, this is Ryan Christian with T-Lab Media. Um, I'm calling to try to get a hold of Teresa McGuire. Is she available? This is Teresa. Hi, Teresa. This is Ryan Christian. Uh, do you have a moment to speak with me? I do. I just wanted to clarify a couple of things. Uh, there's been some reports from USA Today regarding vinyl chloride poisoning of animals at your facility. Well, it, not I just at want to our better... facility, but with uh, people that we're helping that are in the East Palestine community, yes. Correct. Okay, I just wanted to clarify about the, the, so this was a confirmed test, or this was just people calling and reporting this to you? These are people calling in reporting and with uh, vet reports stating that uh, suspicion of poisoning. There's no actual test for vinyl chloride poisoning. So- Which I thought was strange that USA Today would go so far as to say that was the case. Right? Odd. Seeing as how that's, there's no test for that. And they seem to be and have a vested interest in not revealing the truth. And yet they go like it almost seems like a trap, right, to get you to say that when the reality is that, well, it's just poisoning. We didn't say vinyl chloride poisoning. 
but they are having symptoms uh, related to poisoning. They're right. being treated as such and showing uh, getting better for the most part. Not now you, you, I'll, we'll go ahead and leave it there. You can, I'll include it so you guys can listen to it. The point is these veterinarians are writing down poisoning. And she goes on to point out that their eyes are swelling, they're, you know, they're foaming at the mouth, all these different crazy things that are happening. But yet, here's what we're being told from this company, right? No, that's it. We tested and we ruled it out. Did they test for the right things? Did they test for dioxins? Probably not, right? Although it says a specific cause of death could not be identified, there is nothing to support chemical toxicity as a cause of death. You know, other than the reports that literally support chemical toxicity. But, you know, not those ones, though. Those are not the right ones. Got it. Thousands of small fish were also reported killed in creeks. Okay, well, here's the ridiculous part of saying that. So we're admitting that the, re- the creeks and the rivers were full of dead fish because of the chemicals, but the animals that died right next to the river, don't, don't, not those, though. That's a fake news story. Okay, cool. I mean, it just seems like such an effort to go out of their way to not tell us the reality. But here's something else I found that's really interesting to me. This is a, dioc- 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 a document from the EPA. From, uh, where was the date again? 2001. Now, this is talking about the ability of what their their capacity. Now, as far as I could tell, this hasn't changed all that much, but I wasn't fi- able to find any more current documents. The point that I want to make here is that they're arguing from literally, from, from Ross Incineration Services. Again, I would say it's not environmental services. That's what they call themselves. They're arguing that they need to add on what was it? A hundred and two hundred and where was it? They uh, there was two hundred and eighteen acres. I can't find the number again right now. That they needed to add on a whole bunch of of space behind their current facility, right, to bury this ash. Two hundred and eighteen acres, where they're going to now bury this ash that they tell you is completely benign, but rather they're going to bury it under clay and cement and plastic and and you know it, it just seems ridiculous to me. And then also we can prove they haven't tested for dioxins and then why would they be treating it for such? And even though they did, it seems logical they wouldn't be able to deal with it properly or there's to be some left and that's likely why they deal with it the way they do. Now, anyway, the point is, why would they need to add 218 acres of property to be able to bury this when based on the records we can find that it seems, as you can see here, it says for liquids and solids, this is capacities tons per year, right? So under liquids, we just talked about the liquids. Their maximum capacity is 45,000 plus tons, whereas they're only utilized for 22,000 right now, which means they have a capacity for 23,000 tons, if that's still accurate. Then under solids, same point. They have an available 10,000 tons of space. And yet they need to make a special location to bury this stuff inside of Ohio. Just doesn't seem to add up to me. Now here is Ross Environmental Services. (laughs) What they want you to call themselves. Now, you could see in here that this is just, you know, it looks like a number of one of these companies that deals with hazardous waste. And you you can look through this. It doesn't show any information about dachshunds or any of this stuff. But here you can click on their updates for their monofill project. So it's, it's obviously happening. Now here is a very interesting part to me. Here is, as you could see, RossEnvironmental.com. Just to show you the page itself, the top, it says, or that's just a weird heading, the Ross Group of Companies, a collection of blah, blah, blah. It's just answering different questions, right? So here's something I found very telling. Monofill approval 
and construction timeline. So you're telling so this this was started in 2021. Explain that for me. So in 2021, they wrap up various studies of the soil on the site that they're talking about. That's this site we're going to talk about in a second. Where's the picture of it? Oh, it doesn't show it on here. I thought I had it. Oh, I think I closed it. Well, in any case, I think this document's discussing the same location from 1999. We'll come back to this. So the point is, in early 2022, Ross plans to submit a zoning change. So at a time when you would argue that they have more enough space that they were already trying to add this location. Now, whether or not you think they've got enough space, the, the, prior to Ohio's accident, they were already trying to create this monofill in Ohio. In mid-2022, they submitted a permit modification application to Ohio EPA, which will take several months to approve. So beyond 2022, this document was before this whole happened, monofill construction takes place in multiple phases. The earliest, the first phase could be taking place is likely the summer of 2023. That's very strange to me. So right before this, okay, so could just be coincidence. I don't like, I don't like coincidences, but what's interesting to me is now you have this group who is now rationalizing, where was it? Rationalizing that they need this. I forgot how always open. I forgot which one it was. This right here. It says building a monofill on its own property will make them more competitive and make them cut costs and transportation and blah, 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 right? So the point is they're now rationalizing why they need this to be able to bury this ash from the accident, even though they were already pushing for this long before this ever happened. So to me, at the very least, it seems like they're taking advantage of the situation to benefit their company at the expense of the people in Ohio. Not surprising at all. You tell me what you think. Now, here is a document from 1990, 2019, excuse me, of also of, of the Ohio EPA specifically discussing Ross Incineration Services. Now, here's what it says. And this is basically what I believe this is. And I, this is the location we're discussing about this area around their facility. What I think this is discussing is whether or not this facility is appropriately managed to be able to get the zoning allowance for that location. Just to cut to the chase, what did they find? Well, you'll find some interesting findings here. This is the attachment C, South Landfill and Mixing Area Constituents of Potential Concern. South Landfill Constituents of Concern. Now, what I'm very frustrated about, nowhere I'm able to find what these metrics are, right? What's 0 0.015 of what? I can't find what the number is, and maybe I'm missing that. Somebody wants to tell me. In any case, the point is broad here. What I'm trying to point out, first of all, all of these are found. All of these are found in these locations, specifically dioxins, but I don't know what that relates to. That does not seem to be a concerning number. In any case, the point is that there's residual, there's residue. So there depends on what that is in relation to what was burned. Is that 99.9999%? Doesn't seem like it, especially since it's showing up in a few locations. But either way, the point is across the board, it seems to be a pretty clear picture that none of these places are are set to deal with this. One, because they weren't told it was in there. They weren't testing before they sent it. And most of these locations are not for sure set up to be able to deal with this, like the main location we started with in Oklahoma. I don't know how else to make... This is as clear as it gets. These are corrupt entities that are lying to you everywhere you look. Here, just not like it, Matt. Not, this was it didn't go anywhere, but I'll play it anyway. 
I called Ross to try to find out the same thing. I felt it was strange the way I was responded to. You guys can listen for yourselves. Let's see. Uh, which one was it? This one? For calling Clean Harbors, this is... Oop, not that one. This one here. For calling Clean Harbors, this is Cammy. Oh. Sorry, I think I, oh, I put it up twice. Hold on. Let's see. Clean... Oh, here it is. Ross. Environmental brand. Hi, I, I just had a couple quick questions for you uh, regarding the facility and what you guys were able to process. Um, are you the right person to speak to? What's that? Um, can I ask what these questions are in regards to? Yeah, just I'm just following up on on some processing questions coming from East Palestine in regard to what you guys are are set up to process. Um, I can I can forward you to our spokesperson for this. Okay, appreciate it. Thank you. Yep. Now, I could be reading too much into this, but the way he handled that sounds like he is frustrated with a lot of people calling and seemingly no one getting answers. Those of yourself, I mean, I, I, I'm just, I'm personal opinion. Who knows? He definitely sighed, but the way he handled this, I think is interesting. Thank you. Yep. Um, I can, I can start to what you guys are, are set up to process. Um, I can I can forward you to our spokesperson for this. Okay, appreciate it. Thank you. Yep. And then the point is, nothing happened. It's strange, though, right? Like, why would there even be a spokesperson? Isn't this just... Isn't this what you do? <laughs> like, why wouldn't that person know all the information? I call. I am sorry, but no one is available to answer your call. That's it. I can't even leave a voicemail. Over and over, and I called forty-five times before the show started. So I guess they don't have they don't have a person, <laughs> or they just happen to take the day off in the middle of a Wednesday. Who knows? Either way, nobody answered, and it just. I, I mean, it was just it, something tells me that there's something going on here. Just my opinion. Seems strange they would respond that way, though. Just my personal take. Here is. One last thing I want to point out before we go on to the uranium discussion is to finish. I mean, but, but just so we're clear, though, not to miss the point. Am I wrong in thinking this is just as obvious as it gets? I mean, they're, they're, they're forcing Oklahoma to take something that we can prove is not set up to deal with what we know is in there. That's all you really need. But over the rest of all the rest of it, though, you can see that there's it's at best. Irresponsible. I think it's criminal. But I don't know how people can miss this. Now, hopefully this gets, you know, picks up the attention of some larger platform. Somebody points at it and suddenly somebody's accountable because we know how no matter how much reach we actually get or how much we actually do, that there's some kind of, you know, there's a lot of people in independent media that I think are like a James Corbett that are just never going to get to a certain locate level because the system's controlled to a point to where those kind of people will never be seen for what they truly are, which is very intelligent, very objective and nonpartisan, you know, what we all should actually be, in my opinion. But I just think it's the most clear as I've ever seen in my life, maybe beside of the COVID-19 illusion. But we could finish just what I thought was interesting. I've seen a lot of these other accidents all sorts of things i don't want to use the word accident because I, I honestly don't think that so right now like i i point to james corbett's recent work on this that shows the overlap of previous years to like just kind of reported accidents which even then i don't know how the threshold works there like what's the line for what's considered an accident and what's the you know I, it's, it seems like it's hard to really manage but 
arguably that there's a lot more of these happening than we've ever seen before. But I, you can also point out that we are paying attention more than ever. But I don't think that's what this is. I think there's a lot of these happening in very strange, specific ways, like specifically what we saw were food plants and grain plants, all at the same time, which now suddenly have stopped. <laughs> that's just very strange stuff happening. Now, I, I, I could point at at least three of them I saw today that my brother sent to me. But this was the only one that really stood out to me that I thought was an interesting point to be made. But there's plenty of other ones. Fires at weird chemical plants and stuff's happening all over the place. But this one says hazmat crews on the scene in Louisiana. Numerous hazmat response teams and other emergency units are undertaking measures to, sh- to address a hazardous chemical cloud emanating from a biolab chemical plant. Now, a shelter-in-place directive, this is what really stands out to me. It's not just COVID-19 all over again, right? Or, so it's just shelter, go home, lock up, shelter-in-place. Well, virus? No, a chemical. Okay, does it matter? The idea that we're supposed, like, okay, you could argue they're not forcing or, in, in, you know, upholding that and going around making sure you're in your homes, but it's still kind of the same direction. It makes me concerned, that's all, that they are routinely now making this statement. But it says a shelter-in-place directive has been implemented for a one-mile radius, which is familiar, in the west side base of the, of the I-10 bridge as a result of the chemical discharge. Now, right away, I mean, this was, I mean, this one was... 1217 and this one is 1240 right so you have 30 minutes where it's they said 30 minutes later the shelter in place has been lifted following a chlorine leak from the bio lab okay so could that just be something yeah that could definitely just happen or maybe not maybe there's something bigger to this that we now are being covered up by pointing at that and saying it's gone it's over when in reality, some big thing just happened and we have no idea. Like, I think what's been going on with this has made this near impossible to, like, suss these out at the moment. We, sh- we should be rightly going, maybe there's something else happening right there. But we should also not say that's what's happening until we can prove that. The problem is that it's really hard to find out right now. And that's probably part of the design. But overall, this was this right. You can look on Twitter right now and you're going to still see this being hyped as a problem, even though it's already seen arguably been, you know, not. Oh, it's downgraded. and We're back to normal. But who knows? Either way, there's a lot happening in this that makes me concerned. The biolab chemical plant. What does that even mean? A biolab? Is it bio- biological or is it a chemical plant? I, I, that's an interesting thing to me. Either way, the point is this is just a common thing now where people are sheltering in place because of chemicals and bio leaks and dafs. And then at what point do we stop asking whether they're happening and just listen and follow direction? Like a lot of this seems to be blending it in. And then again, how do we know it's just not something bigger happening that we haven't followed up on? The point is, with everything we have seen happening with the EPA, with, the, with COVID-19, with overseas and foreign policy, we know that these people don't care about our well-being. And we know that they will lie in every possible way to achieve their end. So we're left wondering. Now, I'm not trying to make this a disconcerting position, like to make you feel uncomfortable and, and nervous and scared. We just need to realize who these people are, because that's the reality. Quite frankly, I find it to be a positive situation because we're finally starting to see where we really are. The only way we're truly going to be able to make positive change is to address the state that we're in. But yes, they lifted the chemical spill. And as far as I can tell, there doesn't seem to be a problem. But who knows? The reality is that we have a lot other, th- a lot more going on in the world that we have already had a long time to that, that we should have been worrying about. Not to say that we shouldn't worry about new things, but, you know, things like glyphosate or things like, you know, these ubiquitous problems that are poisoning us right now. But one thing I want to make clear is that these things aren't just happening in our country or in the UK or in Europe. 
it's amazing to me that this is still happening. And this is just one foreign policy point I wanted to finish on. Britain defends supplying Ukraine with weapons containing depleted uranium. The fact that this is even still happening is kind of mind-boggling to me because of the history and the acknowledgement of what this has actually done. And all they do is go, oh, because it helps penetrate tanks. Oh, so that's the only thing we could possibly use to help penetrate tanks? No, but let's use the thing that can also, you know, cause birth defects for three generations because that, you know, tanks, that makes sense, right? No, this is a chemical weapon. Just like Agent Orange. Oh, we wanted to get rid of the foliage. No, we used 20 times the amount because it was a chemical weapon attack. These are, these are games being played. Here, we are talking about... Oh, somebody's saying... Uh, Biolab is the name of the company. Oh, that makes sense, actually, now that you say that because it's capitalized. Thank you for that. I was wondering about that. So why would it be called Biolab? And that's strange. Anyway, I appreciate that. Thank you for, for correcting that. Now, the point going back to this, is ultimately, I forgot where I was with it, but they're, they're sending and confirming that they're doing this. And now they're even defending the argument saying, well, you know, because it's necessary. And one of the things they're saying is, well, many armies, including Russia, use them. Okay, so are you just the same then? I thought your whole point was that you're better. Your whole point is that you're fighting for freedom and good things, sustainability and equity and blah, blah, blah. Except you're just going, well, they're doing it. We'll do it too. Or then you're just an infant. With, with, you know, full of naivety and complete. Inca the bottom line is these people are using that kind of argument because the lowest common denominator. They think a lot of people will be like, yeah, we should too, because bad guy. But all you're really doing is allowing yourself to be as bad as them, which shows you the true nature of the people that are supposed to be ruling over us. But it says Britain on Wednesday defended its decision to supply Ukraine like one of the most alarming locations I can think of right now with weapons made with depleted uranium. And by the way, this is a byproduct. This is a bad thing that they just used because they wouldn't they otherwise have to deal with. But they, they just, it's like fluoride pretending like that's the right thing for you. No, it would have, they would have had to be paying to get rid of it. Otherwise, we're paying them to take it. This is the same game. But of course, the day after Vladimir Putin says, falsely claimed the material had a nuclear component, which is essentially kind of what he said. I'll show you what he said. But of course, they don't get into the, the details because they want to sell you a narrative, which is not what actual journalism is supposed to do. But we just talked about this. The U.S. Oh, there was a point in here where the, the U.S. is basically saying that they're not. Well, the U.S. has sort of taken a middle ground where they're not really defending it, but they're not really attacking it. I think it was Kirby who kind of walked that line. But let's remember that the United States has already sent, the government has already sent depleted uranium rounds to Ukraine. That's not a secret. Except they tried to keep it a secret, but it wasn't. Here's the intercept who pointed out on January 26th, the White House was unwilling to say whether the U.S. had provided depleted uranium anti-tank rounds to Ukraine, according to the transcript of the press briefing, which was between un an anonymous reporters with an unnamed official. What kind of report is that? That's, that's the reality. Since when are un reporters unnamed? <laughs> everything about this government and everything that's happening these days seems ridiculous. But it says, according to the transcript, the press briefing, despite decades of research suggesting the weapon causes cancer, birth defects, long after fighting ends, the administration official who responded says, I'm not going to get into the technical specifics. Okay, because that's that's a no. No, that, that's usually a yes. They're sending Bradley fighting vehicles, which are the, the ones that tend to use specific armor piercing depleted uranium rounds. So when they don't get into the specifics, of course, they could just not be saying it because they don't you know, They want to keep it up in the air, except as I think it was Dan Cohen proved on a 
interview with the uh, redacted podcast, they've got records of it. Here are two uh, acquisitions or reports of, of them ordering these and being done at the exact same moment when they're sending the tanks that need them to Ukraine. Department of Defense. I mean, let's be clear. Are they're, they're not the only things they're engaged with are the foreign policy that they're arguing aren't wars. <laughs> you know, all the wars they're involved in. And the point is that those things are what these are going to. Let's not pretend like the U.S. is using depleted uranium rounds in Afghanistan, right? The point is right now, that's where stuff is going. And here is a January 24th published date. 26th is when The Intercept called it out. And you can see right here. The projectile system consists of depleted uranium. Exactly the munitions needed for the tanks that they're sending. Here's another report. Same thing. And this was more, by the way. This is later. This is February 15th. Next month. Same thing. Depleted uranium. Right there. Projectile consists of depleted uranium. Okay, so it's very clear what's happening. They've already sent these things. Now apparently the UK is picking up the slack. Here's what the uh, what Putin says. The United Kingdom announced not only the supply of two tanks of to, of to Ukraine, but also shells with depleted uranium. If this happens, Russia will be forced to react. Now, regardless of his next statement, you know that's a fair statement. The U.S. would be losing its minds if anything even remotely like that was happening this entire time happened in reverse. But it says if all this happens, Russia will have to respond accordingly, given that the West collectively is already beginning to use weapons with a nuclear component. Now, it does seem they go on to suggest that they were discussing the, the uranium rounds. But the way that sounds, you could argue that they're just talking about other things. Where it says the West is collectively beginning to use weapons with a nuclear component. That just seems kind of broad. And I would argue there's probably things that they're already maybe he's insinuating something else that already went to Ukraine. But either way, my point is that then he, then there is more follow up that seems to suggest that's what they were saying. Either way, I have I don't there's either side of this game or any side governments will absolutely lie or bend the truth to try to get people to think what they want them to think. So the same way the U.S. government would argue Putin threatened chemical weapons, even though he never did that in Ukraine, Putin's going to swing around and say they sent nuclear weapons when they didn't really do that. It's just the way this game is played. They're all lying to you. It says depleted uranium is a byproduct of a nuclear enriching process used to make nuclear fuel or nuclear weapons. Its heaviness lends itself for use in armor-piercing rounds. But again, I just think that's the most absurd argument. Even if it's the best thing to use, you're you're, you're basically accepting that you're using a, a... chemical weapon or a radioactive weapon or however you want to frame it because it, it i'll show you why i call it a chemical because of the way that this can spread but the point is that this is knowingly they do this they don't care about the civilians the locations and everything around it i'll prove that to you the united nations environment program has described these ammunition as chemically and radiologically toxic heavy metal that's the chemical part now here is a horrifying report that you should take the time to read from Mint Press News. This is from 2014. And yes, that's a real picture. This is a depleted, this is depleted uranium and the Iraq war's legacy of cancer. Now note, by the way, how similar that looks to the whole uh, Zika thing. The, what was it called? The encephalite or no, that wasn't right. That's the brain swelling. I forget what, what was this again? Before the chat, the whole Zika thing caused whatever that was. And we should ask whether that was actually what was happening. But the point is, this is a real story. And these generational problems in Iraq are verifiable. And they still pretend like it's not the truth. It's a, it's a hard thing to watch or, or read. Here's a, a report from Matt Orfalo pointing out, oh, randomly on March 18th, or rather right around this time frame, 
massive archive of Iraq war lies just disappeared from the Center for Public Integrity, you know, right around the time when it's the anniversary of the Iraq war. What a coincidence. You know, and also right around the time when they're using the same depleted uranium rounds in another, another war. Well, let's hide it all, right? Eight years old. June 2014. U.S. fired depleted uranium at civilians. At civilian areas in 2003 Iraq war, according to reports. So not only do they fire these dangerous things, they fire them at civilian areas. And why is that concerning? Well, before I even get to that, also... Also, in 2017, this article says the United States used depleted uranium in Syria. Over and over this happens. Officials have confirmed that the U.S. military, despite vowing not to use depleted uranium. So why would they do that if it was totally okay? Despite vowing not to use it on Iraq or Syria, fired thousands of rounds of the munitions during two high-profile raids on oil trucks in Syria in late 2015. Right. Because they care, right? Well, here's how you can prove that's not the case. The long-term risks of depleted uranium outweigh military necessity for the weaponry, which anybody honest could make that argument, whether or not you have this article. It's plainly obvious. It's like saying we're going to use a nuclear weapon to make sure we can remove these people. It's overkill. You're wildly, you're using something you know is going to have lasting generational effects because you can pierce a tank. It's a lie, guys. That's, That's my opinion, 100%. The public knowledge about the U.S. military deployment of nearly 10,000 depleted uranium rounds in 2003 from jets and tanks remains virtually unknown. There is an estimation. Now, where are you at, media? Corporate media? Aren't you supposed to be speaking for the people? Like, never been the reality, guys. There is an estimation that the U.S. fired 300,000 rounds during the first Gulf War conflict in 1991. Without releasing knowledge or evidence of testing to inform of potential hazard health hazards. Of course, they don't, wouldn't do that. They don't care. The only mistake deadlier than firing this overburdens of, de- of de- depleted uranium weaponry is the denial of it and failing to acknowledge the hazards posed to civilians. American and British occupation forces have forbidden the release of statistics related to civilian casualties after the occupation of Iraq. Additionally, they refuse to clean up contaminated areas and deny international agencies and Iraqi researchers the right to conduct the full depleted uranium-related exploration programs under some guise of, you know, conflict or, or sanctions or whatever else. Sound familiar? And now ask yourself if that's what they're doing and hiding what it's done, lying about using them, denying using them, why is it now suddenly okay to be like, yeah, we're using them and we defend it? How does that even make sense? How do you connect those two times? If it was off limits now and so embarrassing, you would deny it. But suddenly today, it's so right that you proudly denounce it. Announce, how does that even possibly make sense? Despite American and British disclosure that they used around 400 tons of depleted uranium munitions in Iraq in 1991 and 2003, the United Nations Environment Program believes that the total may be nearer to 1,000 tons. Persistent and consistent reports from medical staff across Iraq. So medical staff on the ground that can see the actual thing happening, just like we're talking about today, have associated this legacy from the conflict with increased rates of certain cancers and congenital birth defects. The extent to which depleted uranium may be associated with these health problems is still unclear. You know why? Because they say conditions since 2003, according to the U.S. government, have not been conducive to studying civilian exposure to health outcomes. You know, because the U.S. government is still controlling and occupying the territory for freedom, of course. 
So just like Syria is unable to be rebuilt because, you know, Assad's still there and we don't like that. No one's able to go in and do their due diligence because, whoa, danger, and we won't allow it. I wonder why. When uranium weapons explode, according to Keith Baverstock, radiological expert, their massive blasts produce gray or black clouds of uranium oxide dust particles. Though these float for miles, people breathe them and the dust lodges in their lungs. This is an interesting overlap. Winds may blow particles from combat sites into civilian inhabited areas. And of course, that's not even necessary when they literally target civilian areas. You know, make it easier, right? Even, oh, then it says, of course, contaminating water and people. Even if only a small demographic of civilians is contaminated in a particular area, the half-life of the the depleted uranium particle lodged inside avioli is that, it's avioli, avioli, yeah, is 3.85 years. That's the half-life. Emitting radiation directly to the tissue. So that means to any in, any fetuses growing in their in their body or anybody within, you know, I mean, this this is in, this is hurting people in their inner circle. Depleted uranium debris left behind in destroyed tanks of buildings poses a threat towards peacekeepers, civilians, military personnel, years after the conflict has ended. So any effort to go and like save people from the rubble, they're getting sick. Think 9-11, same thing. How in the world are you going to pretend they care about anybody when they let their own people go in and get sick when they know that's going to happen? When the EPA and people like Giuliani blatantly lie about how safe it was at 9-11, everyone goes in and they're still suffering from that. Same thing here. These people are disgusting. The U.S. military and WHO have, have, we're being told, have conducted research into Iraq to determine how malignant depleted uranium is and what sort of dangers it poses to civilians. Yeah, I think we've got that understood. Their conclusions determined, of course, that the potential toxic hazard is far too low to warrant cleanup action. Of course it did. Meanwhile, you've got generational problems and immediate obvious issues, but that's all in their head though, right? They must be crazy. These claims come in direct confrontation with independent studies performed by PAX conducted through uh, thorough studies within laboratories and field work in contaminated locations where depleted uranium was fired. Their findings determined sites and recovery recovered physical DU evidence that proved contrary to American studies. But guess what happened, though? Nothing. This is everything we're seeing right now, from COVID to Ohio where we're going, guys, we can see the problem. We've got testing showing you're lying. And all you do is go lying. Tests are good. You're fine. Shut up. They did it then. They did it everywhere since. They're doing it now. If we can't see that, we're choosing not to. This is who they are. It could not be more clear. I hope people can see that. Because people are being hurt day in and day out by incompetence by criminality, and by people lost in the two-party paradigm, unwilling to see who's really doing this. All of them. I hope we can wake up to that, because, my God, we need to do something about this, guys. And I never, ever, ever mean violence. But we need to think of something, a different path here, because where they're driving us is not the right direction. Violence is not the right direction. I've got all sorts of thoughts, but today's not the the end of the show. is not the place to share them all. But at the end of the day, guys, we need to continue to highlight the problem. We need to continue to show people what's really going on and give them the details and the material to think about it and understand it for themselves. 
so they can then relay the information. So it doesn't become some game of telephone where you get one diluted data point that gets manipulated throughout the conversation. People need to understand these things so they can actually discuss them. Far too many people in this field are just out there saying, I know, trust me, and here's what you should say. And far too many follow along with that. Think for yourself, guys, as always. Question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. I see all the people led into deception by the very men found to care blinded by the promises unknowingly sold despair so leave your herd of sheep and follow this shepherd to revolutionary ends world that you knew has changed around you it's all become a money game it's all become a money game it's all become a money game are you ready for are you ready for are you ready for revolution Now it's happening all around you. If you cannot see, pull aside the curtain and see the war machine. It's time for you to rise up, rise up and prepare. So arm your fellow man, as it's become destructive to its own ends. World that you knew has changed around you. It's all become a money game. It's all become a money game. It's all become a money game. Are you ready for? Are you ready for? Are you ready for? Revolution. Now it's happening all around you. If you cannot see, pull aside the curtain and see the war machine. It's time for you to rise up, rise up and prepare to arm your fellow man. Has it become destructive to its own ends? world that you knew has changed around you It's all become a money game It's all become a money game It's all become a money game Are you ready for Are you ready for 
station The revolution's now It's happening all around you If you cannot see Pull aside the curtain and see the war machine It's time for you to rise up Rise up and prepare So arm your fellow man They become destructive to their own ends The world that you knew has changed around you It's all become a money game it's all become a money game It's all become a money game Are they ready for Are they ready for Are they ready for We the people